listening to the bomb hole. Bomb hole podcast. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. <laughs> the bomb going to slide down in big hills, you know what I mean, on the big, nice, burgundy snowboard. Okay, here we go. We are back in the booth for the bomb hole, which is presented by Pub Beer and Liquid Death. Stony Buds, how are you, my friend? So good, my dog. Always love to hear that. Now, to my left, we have pro BMXer Mike Hucker. What's going on, Mike? How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, it's crazy listening to that intro with the headphones. It just got real all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like happening. Hands, the- are, hands are getting all sweaty. Mm-hmm. You're in but, the uh, hole. You're in the bomb hole. Yeah, right man. Now. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, Excited be- to be here. Well, we love having you. Uh, pleasure's all ours. So for those of you who are unfamiliar, uh, I'm going to do a brief intro for Mike Hucker. He is three-time Rider of the Year. Dirt not- Rider of the Year. Dirt Rider of the Year. <laughs> and not two... Not two. Runky told me two, so let's just correct him on that. He is X Games silver medal winner, a true character in every sense of the word, and he has been rocking a mullet for over 10 years. And quote unquote, he's the real Spicoli, but not stoned, in the words of Ryan Runky, your agent. <laughs> now, uh, he's the best. Yeah, he, let's give him an one. Um, so, Hucker, Mike Hucker. Let's start with, your real name is Mike Clark. Yeah, Michael Stephen Clark. I have three first names. I love it. Uh, so how did the nickname come to be? So I grew up in Huntington Beach, California, and there's these legendary trails right there called Cheap Hills. They've been there for over 30 years, longer than I've been alive. And I used to go there every day of my life when I was a Grom, you know, and I got a bike. What was that? I had my GT Fueler, started going there all through middle school. Then in high school... I got a mosh. And when I got this bike, I went from this little kid that couldn't even really jump most of the jumps. Like I could jump some of them, but I got this new bike. And for some reason it just clicked and I could start jumping everything there and everything just, it literally was like a light switch went off. And I was the kid that was just sending it like no skill, full wavos, just going for it, eating crap, getting up, and just dying all day, every day, covered in dirt, head to toe. And it got to the point to where it was so bad. I was so sketchy that some of the locals, I'd show up and they would just point and say, go home. And <laughs> they weren't doing it to be a jerk, you know, but they just, they didn't want to see me get hurt because I was that sketchy. I'd eat shit. I'd get knocked out and I'd just get up laughing and be like, oh, all right, let's go again, you know? And just, I was a little kid. I was amping. I just, all I wanted to do was ride BMX. And um, that lasted probably for that first year pretty bad. And then they'd tease me about it after that. But that first year, man, it was rough. Like, I had no style. I was just sending it. I would try to learn tricks over jumps. I could barely even jump. Like, not in a position to be doing the stuff that I was trying by any means, at least safely. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it, it just started clicking and everything started making sense over time. And... Then they started calling me Hucker, and I hated it because my peers I went to school with, you know, they're my friends, but when we'd all be together, they kind of gang up on me because I was an easy target. I was a sketchy kid. I had no style. <laughs> I'm all bonered out, just dead sailor and everything. And so, like, I, I was an easy target, you know, like, they're just talking crap on me. So when they started, call- when everyone started calling me Hucker, I hated it. And I was just like, dang it, man. Like, oh, it's just going to be another reason. And 
Of course it was. And then we're at the skate park called Real Ride, and it was out by Lake Paris, California. And I'm there one weekend, and I'm like 15. And this kid from Arizona came up to me. I'd never seen him in my life. And he's like, hey, you're Hucker, right? And in my head, I'm like, how the heck do you even know what that name <laughs> is or who I am? And that's when I realized it was out of my control. And I just, I was like, you can't worry about this anymore. And I just stopped caring, you know? And uh, that was one of the best decisions I ever made in my teens was to stop caring. Because when you care, man, you just do everything for the wrong reasons, you know? And it just sucks. And I did that like freshman year. I hated it. And mm -hmm. then once I stopped caring, it was sick. Mm -hmm. It was like everything was fun. And then the whole world opened up and it was like, yes, Dude, what are we doing next? Uh, yeah, there's something <laughs> to be said. It, it's so funny. Everybody I talked to doing my, my research about you was just the, the thing that kept coming up. They're like, Hucker is authentically himself. And it seems like it's paid dividends in your whole life. Like you're just like, I'm me. This is who I am. Take it or leave it. Yeah. And everybody Lo loves Love that. it or hate it, man. Yeah. When you can't choose your nickname, right? Oh, dude, you gotta just the nickname it. chooses yeah. you. <laughs> you it. Once it chooses you, you own it, or else yeah. you're just gonna be bumming your own. Yeah. <laughs> you might as well own it, unless yeah. it's like a really bad one. Yeah, like we got True. this. We got this guy. We used to call him Lumpy. Yeah, <laughs> not an ideal nickname. That was a good. Uh, his other nickname was Big Daddy. He's uh, he hates that one now too. But back in the day, he used to own it. Own he used Lumpy. To own it. So one thing we were talking about uh, off air earlier is you had a very incredible story about your first sponsor. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so my first real sponsor, I was a senior in high school, and I did my first ever contest last, actually, no, it was junior year in high school. It was the King of Dirt. It was the Coor Tour in Huntington Beach, California, right on the beach next to the pier. Three dirt jumps, big roll-in. And uh, actually, that was the second one. It was a series, the Coor Tour. The first one was Venice Beach. I entered amateur. I got second place in amateur and I got a ride. The top three got a ride with the pros the next day. So that was like, I was still a junior. It was like June of junior year or no, June of sophomore year. I was 16. Got second place, got a ride with the pros, missed the New York one. Cause it was in New York and I'm just some high school kid. Then went to the Huntington one, won that amateur and then started competing professionally after that senior year in high school. That's when the do tour was like blowing up. I think it started in like Oh five, maybe. Uh, I graduated 06. My uncle, Bill, he's the legend. He's the man of my Let's amazing... Give an, Let's give an air horn. Yeah, and my amazing aunt, Aunt Darlene. Um, they're like, hey, guys, we want you to come to the office. We want to have a meeting with you and your parents. So my parents and I went to his office, and they sat me down, and they're like, you know, Mike, you're getting really good at riding bikes. Your Aunt Darlene and I want to support you and help in any way we can you're graduating high school this summer. What are your goals? And I'm like, man, I would love to do the do tour. Um, if I get invited to Red Bull elevation, which still to this day is one of the gnarliest dirt comps that has ever been, uh, right up there with like dreamline. Uh, but it was the first and, uh, he's like, yeah, all right, cool. Let's, uh, we want to send you to any contest you want to go to this summer, you and your mom or your dad, we could send one of you, get you a hotel rental car and pay your entry fees. And I was just like, are you serious? And they're like, yeah, you're really good at this and we want to support you and help you out. We can help you out this summer. And that that's when all the floodgates just opened. You know, I started going to all the, it's crazy, like bringing up these old stories. I have goosebumps from my whole body. Um, and so I did the Kentucky Dew Tour. Didn't even make it out of open qualifying because I was just so amp. I was trying to double flip, like right out of the gate and over rotating. Then I went to Denver, which was the second stop. 
started in open qualifying, made it to the finals. And then got like, it's either six or eighth. I can't remember. I remember is an even number, but I remember I was like on cloud nine, dude, like just got, just graduated high school, made the finals of the biggest dirt event of the year. And uh, this was, I don't even think dirt was in X games at the time. I think it was after they taken it out. And I remember I was there, it was at night, all lit up, and I stayed and autographed every kid that wanted an autograph, took a photo with every kid. And I remember, like, still to this day, it's like a dream. Like, Dwayne Taylor, he was the DC Shoes BMX team at the time. He just, like, appeared out of nowhere. Like, I signed the last autograph, and I took a deep breath, and I'm like, wow, dude, it's over. Like, you, you made it. Like, you did, you made it to the finals, you know? And he came up and like shook my hand, gave me a hug. He's like, dude, you were awesome. He's like, let me put shoes on your feet or what? And that was so far, like I couldn't even comprehend that. Like couldn't even think that far ahead yet, you know, in my career. I'm like, holy cow, like did I just get offered a sponsorship by DC Shoes? Like DC Shoes. And back then, like growing up, like I grew up in Huntington Beach. My dream was to ride for Vans and this just came out of nowhere. And I was like, yeah like what like are you serious and it was just right there that was like the pinnacle of you can actually do this you know mm -hmm. and that was at an early age that was the coolest feeling ever that's uh, incredible uncle uncle what was the name of the construction company oh yeah so uncle bill had uh clark contractors inc.com and golf decal.com those are some solid uh, first sponsors well yeah. most relatives Dude, are corporate for right from the get-go they're trying to get you to like focus on school and not bike, and these guys are like paving your way, to, dude. To let it's you crazy, do your man. That's, that's incredible. Like I, I'm so thankful and I'm so blessed to have a fully supportive family. You know, like my parents. I remember being a little kid and I hated it, dude. I'd I'd go to the trails and my dad would show up in his lawn chair, and if I didn't trick a jump, he'd be like, "Mike, you got to trick every jump." And I'm just like, <laughs> "Go home!" Like I'm just trying to ride my bike and have fun, you know. But he always pounded that in my head. And, like, now, like, I appreciate it more than ever. Back when I was in high school, I hated it. I was, like, the only kid there whose parents sat and watched them ride every day. And I hated it. And now, looking back, it's like, dude, I was so lucky. Yeah, you pushed Like, it. so lucky. They call those helicopter parents, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, he, they weren't bad, though. Yeah. They weren't bad by yeah. any means. Like, I've seen some parents that, that are like, real bad, right? Like, your kid <laughs> hates doing this. Yeah, like, yeah true. We're like, don't make it. Like, I, I love doing it. I just hated it having the pressure from him being there, yeah. you know, and dude. I don't know. I'm, I'm so thankful for my entire family, man. They've he been supportive. Cared. Yeah, dude. They just wanted me to do well and, uh, and one, not get hurt. One thing that's really incredible too, what I've noticed we talk about a lot, but every, a lot of people sitting in that chair, we find as we, as we talk to them, they, they have really supportive parents, eh? And the other thing that's really, you know, light bulb going off as I'm talking to you, there is so many parallels between being a professional BMXer or the road to pro BMX, as you're describing now, and professional snowboarding, professional skating, the brands. But the really the one thing I noticed that resonates so much is like the passion pours out of you. Yeah. Like as you start talking about riding your bike, the passion just pours out of you. And Dude, that's, passion's everything. Yeah, let's talk it's about everything. That. It's a it's a combining factor. We see it in our Dude, sport. It's the root of greatness. Like if you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're never gonna be great at it. True. You're, you're gonna hate doing it, you know? Or you're going to dislike it or you're going to be like, that's not for you. And it shows in whatever craft or skill that is. If you're not passionate, it shows. It's just like, uh, 
you can see somebody doing something half as good or as cool, but if he's passionate about it, you're like, yeah, dude, he's getting it or she's getting it, you know, yeah. like it's sick. Mm -hmm. Like I see it at the trails up at Woodward. Like there's the kids that are all about it. And then there's the kids that are just kind of there because the parents put them there, you know, and like some of the kids are the worst. Like they don't have the best skill. I shouldn't say the worst, but they, they don't have the highest skill level of what they're doing, but they're enjoying it the most, you know, who did and those are the ones that are going to progress the most. Who is that as a kid, as you're describing your, your, your passion, yeah, was, yourself, uh, right? your passion was, <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to put, well, no, not in that sense, but it sounded like when you're talking earlier, your passion was higher than your ability level. Like yeah. when, when you're going for those, like, you know, you're talking about how they, you got your nickname in a sense, it's because your passion was higher than your ability level. And like, look at how it worked out great for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it worked out just fine. So, yeah, that's incredible. So what you're talking about earlier is he's a guest pro over at Woodward Camp and uh, up Woodward Park City. And I went up and was a fly on the wall watching him coach these kids. And you have Mike Hucker, huge pro BMXer, and he's talking to a group of, I don't know how old they are. They look like they're 12. Yeah, they're and groms. They're I, think, groms. I think some of them are way younger. Yeah. And he, dude, he's like, I'm just so proud of each and every one of you guys. <laughs> and like the one Kids kid, he it. tried to jump it, like went to his back. He got smoked. He got, dude, really? And he got He was up. on my bike, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. It was bad. He didn't have brakes, and you need brakes for these jumps. And he's mm -hmm. jumping. He's doing really good the whole time he was on this your actual yeah, bike yeah this one because his bike didn't have brakes and you yeah. need him and the tabletop line he's doing them really good and i see him go and i pull out my phone like really quick i'm like yeah i should put this on my instagram story and i catch him right as he's taking off and he's front wheel high manuals the whole landing gets to the bottom and just g's out loops out knocks the wind out of himself oh. so bad like got smoked and uh, he got up. He's good now. But He's good. Oh, man, that little guy. So, but he was ripping. Dude, yeah, these kids are so hyped to be talking to Mike and That's everything. That's so cool. So one thing I wanted to ask is a lot of pros, they're like, ah, I'm not going to go be a guest pro. I don't want to do that, whatever. Like, at least in our sport, you see that a lot. In, in, it's where it starts, so, dude. So mm. what I was wondering is why do you choose to be a guest pro and what do you enjoy about it? Everything. Literally everything about it. Like, uh, Here's a, per a perfect example. I remember I was a little kid. And I was watching the news and this guy, they were in interviewing some pro biker, Newport beach at the pier. And the guy was standing on his handlebars and they're like, yes, I don't remember who he was, but I remember seeing it on the news and it was the first time I'd ever seen anybody do that. And they're like, so-and-so is going to be down here at Newport beach this weekend, come down, say hi, get an autograph, whatever. I remember running upstairs or downstairs be like, mom, mom, dad, dad. This guy's going to be standing on the handlebars at Newport Beach. Can we please go this weekend? And they're like, no, sorry, we can't, Mike. And I was so bummed. And I learned that trick, not because of that. For other reasons, I learned it. And I've seen that spark in a little kid's face. And I know that that one, that one moment that they saw that, they're never going to forget that the rest of their life. They're hooked, huh? It's, it's the sickest thing ever, you know? And knowing that... I can have that type of influence on a kid's life, an adult's life, anybody. That's what I want to do. And I, I was always like really good with the kids at Woodward. Like I've been going up to Woodward West half my life now. And the older I get, the more I realize it's not about me. You know, it's about the next generation. Like I've been there. I've done it. I'm still doing it, thankfully. But I have a chance to help kids progress at something that they love and they're passionate about you know and it's the sickest thing ever just helping people in general it doesn't have to be a kid just helping anybody is the best feeling 
Well, you know, it's another cool one noticing from uh, we have snowboard camps. We have High Cascade uh, as well. And so we spent a lot of summers going up there, working up there. And there's something also about being around kids. And, you know, in snowboarding and action sports, it's cool to party. It's cool to get destroyed. It's cool to, like, be a maniac. But when you're around these kids, you're like, oh, shit, I'm a, I'm a role model. I got it. And so it kind of, it, in some ways, it makes you a better person. It grounds person. you, dude. It, yeah, right? Would you say? Yeah, 100%, man. It makes you realize, like, everything you've... Okay, here's the thing. Kids are the purest individuals out there. They haven't been brainwashed and jaded by what society says you're supposed to do, dude. Like, I'd rather hang out with my nieces and nephews any day of the week over my friends. I love my friends, but little kids, not even just little people, they're they're so true and they're so real, you know? Like, they're going to be like, oh, you're fat, because they don't know that that's going to hurt somebody's feelings. They, they tell it as it is, you know, or... They just say whatever pops in exactly. their head. Exactly. They're, they're, they're just, just real. They're yep. real. Yep. You know? They're not all fucked up by society. Exactly. Yet. So if I could implement things that I've loved my whole life and I know it could help somebody out, that's good mm. enough for me, you know? Dude, incredible. So one thing I've also noticed too is like you you just seem to you seem to make it fun. Right, like you enjoy your time riding a bicycle. Damn, funny you ain't living. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so, like, dude, it can turn into this big, serious career. Oh, I, I ride for Red Bull. I got expectations. I got to do my my things. Right, those are that's are real things that go through people's heads. Yeah. So, so how do you? I have two parts. How do you keep it fun? A and question number B. Do you consider riding your BMX bike a career? Yes, it is one hundred percent a career. Um. Keeping it fun. So I'll tell a little story, quick story. Um, right behind my house where I grew up, there's a reptile store called Prehistoric Pets. Jay Brewer is one of the best python breeders in the world. He breeds particularly pythons, anacondas, like everything, you name it. He could breed these things. And I used to go in there every day of my life because I love animals. I've always loved animals. And I used to go in there every day. And I remember that in the goldfish tank, they had, have goldfish for feeders. There's a bullfrog tadpole in there. And the manager at the time, Juan, I'm like, Juan, what do I got to do for that bullfrog tadpole? Because I knew they couldn't sell them because it was native to California and it's illegal to sell, but they came with the fish. And they had these giant windows out front. He's like, Mikey, clean those windows. I'm like, okay, for sure. So I clean the windows, <laughs> got this tadpole. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to do with this thing, but I got it. That's sick. And, uh, Every day I'd go back like, what else can I do? What else can I do? And I'm literally in middle school spending every day of my life there that I'm not at the trails. It was right by my house. I'd always go there and I'm just cleaning cages and like I would clean the cages faster than any of the employees because I was just like, I got to hold any animal I wanted. You know, I'm like, this is sick. Like here's an anaconda. Here's a bearded dragon. A, like there's so many animals there. And I remember Jay one day, I'm in middle school and he goes, Mikey, let me pay you, dude. I remember, like, I'll never forget. I remember looking at him. I'm like, no, because then I won't be able to go ride my bike. I'll have to come here. I want to go ride my bike when I want to ride, you know? <laughs> and he looked at me like I was crazy. And he was like, all right. And uh, I think that was a part of it, you know? So that's your, would you say that's your approach to your, like, keeping it fun on your bike? You got to keep it fun, dude. If I, I, I've noticed that if I'm not having fun on my bike, I'm not riding good. And I'm going to eat shit and I'm going to get hurt. Because that's what I've dealt with. 
And there's times where it's not fun, dude. There's times where you're on a road trip and you're on like a month long road trip and you're supposed to be filming a video part and you're supposed to produce every single day and you just battled something for two hours trying to land a trick and you're beat up, you're sore, you wake up the next day, you can barely walk and it's like, okay, let's go to this giant set of trails and we got to film the most amazing content ever, you know, and it's stressful and it's not fun, but that's part of it, you know, and there's a lot more fun than just that. And I used to really struggle with that. Now when I'm having those days, I just call it a wash. If somebody's pissed, I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, dude. Like today is not the day I've been there on so many occasions where I pushed it and then I got hurt. And I've learned that, you know, you have to trust your gut, dude. You have to trust your gut. And sometimes that's not fun, but it's part of it, you know, but the rest of the time is totally awesome. So it's like, I could have one not fun day. He just it, described it, his career, basically, yeah. too. Yeah, and it, and it sucks, though. Like, you know, people expect things of you, and, like, to say no is the hardest thing ever, but sometimes you just have to. Mm -hmm. Well, another thing you're saying, talking about these trips, it's such an insane parallel between us when we do our street snowboarding trips. And uh, the thing that I, I find is that all those times, sometimes you're, it's cold and you're shoveling and you're beat up and you're sore. But my favorite times I've realized on the trips are actually, like, Hanging, Bud's the photographer. He's hanging out. We're hanging out in the van. We got trash up to our knees and we're like, <laughs> you know, like eating gas station food. And, you know, like I, I cherish the moments in between the moments on yeah. the trip, right? Those yeah. are, those are the moments. It's not like, oh, I didn't get a trick today. It's like, who gives a shit? Like Bud's had diarrhea today. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like, he shit himself this morning. It's great. <laughs> it's happened. Been there. <laughs> but, and, and that's another thing too, because you see, you know, it's interesting, you know, a little bit of a pivot here into Olympic talk, but I notice in snowboarding and probably in, you know, BMX is in the Olympics. Now there's, it seems to me that we see in our sport that there's parents getting into it for the wrong reasons. Like they want little Timmy to be an Olympic medalist and they just suck the fun out of this thing. Right. Yeah. Do you guys see that in biking at all? I don't okay luckily for freestyle mm -hmm. it's gonna start happening 100 percent now that freestyle is in the olympics it mm -hmm. will it's inevitable um luckily for what i do not that often you know there mm -hmm. there was one instance my buddy bar spinner uh he's the guy that introduced me to fuzzy actually he's yep. another reason i have everything i have today is through bar spinner um he's a Huntington Beach. Cool nickname. Yeah, he, he, he was in like the 1997 Guinness Book of World Records for the tallest man that could beat in the X Games. He was a BMXer. <laughs> tallest man. Dude, he's a G. Let's give this man an air horn. Yeah, yeah. Shout out so to Ryan sick. Brennan. Um, we do a BMX summer camp in Newport Beach right on the beach. It's beautiful. There's a black top right there right on the beach. And we bring out ramps. We, there's all these little kids. And most of them, it's just a daycare. You know, the parents, it's like rich Newport moms. They drop off their kids so they could go do whatever they want in the morning. And there's like a couple kids that are super stoked to be there, you know. And there was this one kid one year, and he was so much better than everybody else there. And you could tell, like, he was just that kid that had the passion, you know. And then the U.S. Open of Surfing happened in Huntington that summer. And Vans had a contest there. And it was a bull contest. It's mostly bull riders, you know. There's a couple trail guys. There's a couple park guys. Those are all different disciplines of riding. They all, like, they have similarities, but you ride them all differently. Like, if you're a park guy, you're doing the craziest flips and spins and, like, you know, getting every bang for your buck. You're hammering as many tricks as you can per air, you know. Uh, if you're a trail guy, you're doing tricks, but 
you're trying to be stylish. You're trying to blast, go for height, velocity. Like you're, you know, there's like an art to it. There's a flow to it. Park guys could ride trails. Trail guys could ride park, but the riding is totally different. And then there's bull guys. And most bull guys, it is sick to watch. It's like bull skating, dude. Yeah. Dude's just ripping, you know? But it'd be like, it'd be like a, a vert skater going in a bull contest they could do it and they're going to skate it really well but a bull rider is going to stand out you know yep and so whip the corners and everything else yeah exactly mm -hmm. and so there's this guy daniel sandoval he is a legend he uh, he actually qualified the u.s olympic team this year and he didn't get in the olympics because he missed like one or two of the very first events in the very beginning of qualifying for it and he is so good, but he didn't have the points. And he is arguably one of the best riders in the world. And he's sponsored by Vans, does the bull contest, and didn't do good, you know? He did crazy tricks, like incredible tricks, but he didn't ride the bull the way it was designed to be ridden for that specific contest, you know? And there's a million different ways you could argue it. The bottom line is he didn't do what the judges wanted to see or were expecting, and I went up and I saw the kid and they're like, yeah, we're really bummed that Daniel didn't do better. The parents are like, we're really bummed that he didn't do better. He, he did some crazy stuff. I'm like, yeah, but he did. He undeniably did, but he didn't ride the entire course. He wasn't flowing it. He took pedals. They, they dock youth for that. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah, we just, we think we're going to take him out of BMX, and put him in more traditional sports. Because they saw that. So that would be one of those parents, for example. Mm -hmm. Instead of pushing them, though, they took them out, you know, because they're like, wow, he got judged so unfairly. And I, I get where they're coming from, you know, like he's an incredible rider. He did, he did probably the craziest tricks in the contest, but he didn't ride the bull the way that. I mean, there's no rider. There's no, no rider yeah. wrong way to do it. You know, about, it's about flow. It's yeah, about exactly. Flow and if the difficulty it needs to be combined with flow, and it sounds yeah. like he's missing the flow of the of the course. Exactly. In some senses, but the another, crazy tricks though. Yeah, and that's. But the other thing that's cool, which I want to talk to you about, trails, which is the dirt jumps for the layman's, uh, versus a lot of the stuff I see in park, and and for me, it's a, it's a great comparison to you watch slope style and snowboarding, and it is. I personally love it, but it, a lot of times some guys make it look a little too gymnastic, a little too acrobatic. Now, so that's the park riders. That's the and then the park riders on, on the on the on the BMX side of things, like those guys, they're doing double backflip and the bike's doing like five tail whips, and it's like, holy sh, dude, this is what like what just happened? What just <laughs> happened? And I think to myself, if I was a kid and I was like, that's what I have to do, like I gonna, I'm gonna die, right? But like. You go watch, you guys ride the trails, and it's like, you guys are going off the jumps, you're styling your bike out in the air, you're doing whips, and you're like, like for me, I'm like, that looks cool. I, that's timeless. And that, you're going huge, that, right? Yeah, and, and uh, the timeless. It's really fun. And, yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's a great element that's a parallel to snowboarding, too, again, because, you know, backcountry would be a good comparison, because... You go, you shovel your own jump, yeah. and nothing's perfect, and you got to put in the work. You know, there's nothing built for you. Granted, it takes us about four hours to build a jump, and then you're chucking, but you guys, it's... Uh, it takes years for a <laughs> yeah. set of trails to be perfect. Yes, exactly. You know, and so. then there is, is no perfect, because the trails always change, man. Mm -hmm. The lips blow out. You're, you're patching stuff after every session, because landings blow out, and... As a BM mountain biking, it doesn't really matter as much. But for BMX, we have such small wheels. You want it to be perfectly smooth. So it, it's a lot of work, dude. And you go to any trails around the world. Not any trails, but 
there's like this big thing and I get it. I personally hate it, but it's no dig, no ride. I get it. I respect it. Every time I ever go to trails, I always say, how can I help? That's the best thing you could do going to any new set of trails because they require a lot of work. But where I grew up riding sheep hills, it's just like a free for all, man. They're, they're some of the most legendary trails in the United States, in California, I should say, not the United States, but in California, they're the most legendary trails that there are, but they're also the worst trails. They're blown out. Nobody takes care. There's like a handful of guys that take care of it. And growing up, like I'd build the jump and it would be perfect. And I'd be like, yeah, dude, I can't wait to come back tomorrow to shred it. You know? So you get off school, you go to the trails as fast as you can. You get there, it's cut in half. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? And it's because somebody else came and it was too big and they couldn't jump it. So they just hacked it away. That would never fly at any other real set of trails anywhere in the world. No way. Wow. Dude. Mm -hmm. But so that's, that's where I grew up. And so that's why, you know, if somebody wants to come to my trails, I'm just stoked that they want to come there. If they're coming all the time, and they're showing up after we untarp everything and after we're done watering and then they leave right after we're done before we tarp everything back up. If they do that all the time, then I'll say something. But dude, everybody's on their own path. We all have our own schedules. Mm -hmm. I get it. But definitely try to help. Try to help. Everyone have the same attitude you have? That's no. Out there? Yeah, no. I was going to say, I bet not. <laughs> Every, like there's so many. I mean, I love them all. But, and they're salty for a reason because they put in a lot of work. Yeah. And they hate being taken advantage of, you know? And I get it. I've been there too, but I don't know. I just grew up riding these trails where mm -hmm. nobody cared about anything. Well, but the, the one thing I want to highlight about these trails too is that, like, you go, you know, I grew up in Massachusetts hitting like little shitty backyard dirt jumps and you fill up a wheelbarrow full of dirt and you pack it and it's fucking horrible and you go yeah. and you fucking wheelie out and land on your back and you don't know what you're doing and you're stiff in the air or like to change gears or here they have uh, Tanner Park and the trails here Tanner so sick. is the, the thing I love about it though is the ecosystem it's created. Yeah. So people show up and you dig. And nobody rides and like, it, it's, it's not that like the digging, it's not about the digging to me. It's about the camaraderie. Like everybody's yeah. shoveling. There's well, this perfect culture. You go there every day. Yep. It, it just, and that type of culture is really important for kids to have growing up a sense of community, a sense of place. You might not have a good home life, but you're welcome at these trails, oh. you know? And that, that is like, as opposed to like, Oh, the city made some jumps and I show up and I take my bike out of my car and then, I away and then they're bumpy and they suck. Yeah. You know? but, but those, those trails are very special in the same way that a skate park can be in yeah. and, or a snowboard park for that matter of like creating a community and an ecosystem. It seems like sheep Hills was like that for you. Right. Well, and sheep, it's gone through so many phases. Like it'll kind of get forgotten about for like a year or two. And then there'll be a crew that comes in and tries to change it. And then they always realize like the more they change it, the more it doesn't work for some reason. It's at sea level. It's all flat. It's the hardest place in the world, in my opinion, to ride the most difficult place in the world to ride. And it's because it's all flat. Nothing's perfect. It's bumpy. It's rugged. And you have to generate all your own speed. There's no hill. And, um, yeah, this guy, Sean, uh, here's a quick little story. So Corey Nastasio, he's a legend. He's yep. been my hero since I was a grom. He used to have these trails out in Riverside and they're some of the biggest jumps I'd ever seen in my life. And I remember I was in high school and they did this final jam there cause they were selling the house and I go to the trails like the Monday after the jam and everybody's talking about it. And I asked Sean Butler, he was like a hero of mine. He was there. I'm like, Sean, do you think if I could have jumped those? Cause I'm like 15. He's like, 
Hucker, if you could jump every jump here, you could jump any jump in the world. He's like, this is the hardest place to ride. And I still swear by that till this day. It's the best cardio. And you have to work for it. You have to know how to push through. If you land good, you have to know how to pump and yank back. Most good sets of trails, there's some downhill grade. Yeah. Gravity is your best friend. It puts you over the jumps as long as you land good. Yeah. Obviously, you have to have skill. Like, if you land a sketch, mm-hmm. you need to know to push through it. But, yeah, th- there's just something about sheep, man. It's a magical place. I got yeah. a tattoo, actually. There's oh, a sheep beautiful. jumping over. I got a rash right there, Sheep too, jumping over me. a hill. Yeah. There it is. I got is. a rash from some new deodorant, but, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm the don't black mind, sheep. Don't mind, don't mind the, uh, I, I, don't the rash. Yeah, I, I made this sheep black because that was me. I was the one everyone used to tell it. You were the black home. sheep? I was like, fuck you guys. But there's a lot, <laughs> of, there's a lot of good life lessons there yeah. from, like, respecting older kids and learning a pecking or yeah. you know, there's no yeah. there's no the yep. thing you go to a skate park now or a snowboard park and there is no and for better or worse but i think that there that re, the respect is earned at the park and yeah. and that's a huge thing to like oh man i don't want to piss off the older guys yep. like, that's not a thing kids are just like looking down at their feet like and just they don't even there's social awareness it's just different now it's so you, you know what's crazy about the skate parks and i don't want to knock on scooters at all because I respect scooter riders. Anybody that's passionate about what they do, I respect it. Whether you're a rollerblader, whether you're a painter, you could be a roofer. And if I see a guy like jamming to the music while he's roofing, I'm like, hell yeah, go that guy, you know, or whatever it is, as long as there's passion. But when scooters first came around, th- so there used to, let me backtrack, there used to be this big beef. Skaters always hated BMXers. Growing up, you know, there's most of skate parks, you weren't even allowed to ride bikes that you'd get a ticket. That's how it was. Not so much here. Utah has been pretty blessed with not having to deal with that. But California especially, you know, skaters hated bikers. We ruined the skate parks. No, we didn't. But anyway, so that was kind of a thing that started getting a little bit better. But there was still, like, some tension there. And then scooters showed up. And it gave you know, everybody's something to hate on. So like all the, all the bikers were like, screw these scooter kids. And all the skaters were like, you know, screw scooter kids. And it did suck in the beginning. It really did. It's gotten so much better now because of scooter kids, they would drop in and drop in and drop. There's zero etiquette. They didn't understand the way the skate parks, there was no flow to it. It was just scooter, 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 drop in, throwing it everywhere. Super dangerous. And it was frustrating, you know, and I'm not, I, I don't want to come off as I'm talking crap on scooters because I respect scooter guys, especially the good ones. It's incredible to see what they do. But um, that made everybody hate it, you know, and I feel like it's gotten so much better because they finally, scooter riding has been around for quite some time now, you know, and they finally figured it out or they're, they're starting to. It's way better than it used to be. And uh, there's like a respect thing there. Before, it was just little kids, didn't know anything about anything. It was just go, 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 go. And they, they've they definitely gotten a lot better. But that kind of, you know, sealed the bridge between bikers did, and skaters. Yeah, you know? so it was yeah, tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I never hated it. it. It was annoying. But like, I was never one guy to be like, you know, F scooters. It's like, dude, you could be here on roller skates rollerblade i don't care just don't get in the way just pay attention you know like that's all i ask pay attention the scooter kids were getting in the way though i don't want to kill you well, and they, i don't want you to kill they, me they, they don't they don't look up that's the problem yeah. you got to have a spatial awareness yeah. and move your young kid and this is they're, they're figuring it out it, but it goes for skaters and bikers too yeah. the thing with skaters and bikers are if they're a little kid and they're riding like that somebody's going to yell at them and they're not going to do it again yeah the scooter kids they didn't really have an elder 
scooter yeah. guy to yell at them. It was mm-hmm. always a skater or the biker. They're probably like, screw them. They're bikers or skaters. Yeah. You know? That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That, that That's my take on it. I yeah. could be totally wrong, but it is sick watching a, a good scooter guy. I, I respect that. Okay. We're going to do a quick little pivot here for a fan favorite of the show. You know what that is, buds? Spinning wheel of death. Okay. Here we go. Welcome to the liquid death. 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 Spinning wheel of death. I always see BMXers. They love metal. That's probably a good intro it's for this. Solid, yeah, good for the, intro. That the fast and loose guys would love that. Yeah, absolutely. So, Liquid Death. A uh, couple good things about it. You're not contributing to the plastic waste going on on our planet. True story. You're crushing can. You know what I love about it? Tell I can me. chug one of these, run a forty yard dash. It's not like drinking a beer. You're it's not a sports drink. It's a sports drink. You know, you go play basketball. You can go. You could probably run them. You can run a marathon and drink Liquid Death. True story. It's great. You know, water is one of the most dangerous things on earth. You got freezes. It forms avalanches. Sharks are swimming in it. When canned, it is perfect and hydrating and something that you need. It, so Couldn't agree more. Grab a liquid death. That was solid. So if you guys are interested in picking up some liquid death as we crush it on the show on a regular basis, head on over to liquiddeath.com slash bombhole. Pick yourself up some liquid D and uh, they'll send you a free set of koozies with your first purchase you're supporting the show again they support us you should support them now we're going to get into i, I gotta try it can i crack this yeah one? crack it crack it you guys make it sound so awesome i gotta try it for myself there you go you, you know bubbly, what the best sound in the, the world version. is oh wow ah. that's refreshing it was sparkling too okay so <laughs> what we're gonna do here is you're gonna that spin, is nice you're yeah. gonna spin the liquid death spinning wheel of death Whatever it lands on, you're going to have to do, but you got to show the camera. So you spin it, we'll tell you what you do. Okay. I know Ooh. what I hope it lands We're going on. in blind. Here we go. He doesn't even know what's on there. Sniffing salt. So he landed on a classic blind touch test. So we're going to put three items. Is it three, buds? Three items in front of you. Now you will pick him up off the table, and you try to describe what they are. So... Buds is walking over there. He's going to put the first item on the table. You have to feel around. Okay. By the, is this it? Yep, that's, that's it. it. Blueberry. Incorrect. Can I smell it? Yeah, smell it. Oh, it's an olive. Oh, wow. He I is love olives. Good. Wait. Green olive. <laughs> I love olive. <laughs> Wow, he's good. Don't even get me started. He's good. He's okay, good. what else you got, buds? Oh, like blueberry? No. <laughs> Wait, sorry. There you go. It's like a hard piece of bread or a, an old lemon. Close. Is it a fruit? It's a fruit. It's like a, a dried up tangerine. It's not dried up. It's fresh. Oh. Close. Oh. It's kind of fuzzy, right? Fuzzy. The fresh? It's not kiwi. Yes, it is. Wow. Wow. Two for two. I guess you didn't really get that right first out of the gate. And we have the last item. I'm going to put it in front of you. Shake weight. (laughs) Come on, dude. He got the shake weight. There's like a a dumbbell here, but it's springy. (laughs) Is it a shake weight? It's a shake weight. It is a shake weight. Yeah, you want to demonstrate while you're blindfolded how to use it? (laughs) <laughs> no, no, no! I don't want. I don't want the mic. It's like, 
<laughs> it's a shake weight. How's it work for fitness purposes? Pretty good. Billy Mays here. <laughs> we bought some piece. All right, you, you you went three for three, kind of. I guess kind kiwi of. you didn't really get. Is there more? No, that's it. So you can d blindfold. I have this one other one, but he'd never guess what it is. Do oh. it. Do it. Do it. Send it. All right, we got we're one. We're having a good time. We here. got one last blind touch test. Um, Eastone is bringing something over, table. putting it on the table. Okay, what do we got? That was a cheap. Go. Ooh, just slime. <laughs> Dude, slime. Is this flubber? <laughs> is this flubber? Yeah, it's flubber. <laughs> Remember that movie? This guy's a goddamn. Wow, he's good. Slime. He's yeah, good. It, My daughter loves making. I was slime. gonna say, if you have kids, uh, you probably know. It's yeah. so satisfying. You, you lunch. Shaking. Hi. What color is it? Okay. Yeah, guess uh, the color. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, it's gonna be like a purple or a pink. It's peach. Peach. Close uh, to pink. Wow. What a great little blind touch study, you could call it. Now, uh, Buds. Magic hands. Let's take a couple questions that are submitted from our Patreon members. Yeah, I got a couple questions for you. The first one is from Edward Shaber. If you had a gun to your head, which would you give up? Hang fives or your luscious mullet? Mullet. <laughs> Either, dude. I just pull out my Rambo card and. No, I'm just joking. Um, whatever one. I don't care. Whatever he'd tell me to. Whatever. You're not. You're not attached. We have footage of him doing the hang five as well. For the record, we will put on the screen. Yeah, we'll pop that on the screen because uh, it is phenomenal. He just actually the best thing about Huckers. He shows up. Uh, he we walk to the studio immediately. He's like, "Don't you guys have a spot in the back?" And he starts gets right on his BMX bike and then starts doing hang fives like right out of the car. Or he was doing handlebar Handlebar rides. Rides. Yeah, handle sorry. Rides. Sorry, 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 sorry. Another question from Sean Fitzpatrick. How long did it take you to get so damn good at handlebar rides? A long time. Um, handlebar rides, y you know what's crazy? Handlebar rides, it's not a difficult trick to learn. It's just terrifying to think about it. But I tell people, I try to teach people. Like I remember like when I first learned them, everyone's like, why are you teaching people that? That's your trick. I'm like, dude, this has been around since the 80s. Like, come on. Anybody that wants to do it, I'm going to teach them. And uh, it's just, it's all mental, just getting up there. But I forgot where I was going with this. I was going somewhere. It looks scary as hell. It's me. scary as hell, but it's all mental, you know? Th think about it this way. If you eat shit, you're falling from that high. True. That is a good point. I'll tell you, it's huh? great. From that high. The showmanship factor is through the roof. Yeah, the showmanship factor That's it. That's a huge, you know, sometimes I think... Professional athletes forget that, like, entertainment value is, is huge. Yeah. You know? That's and a fact. That's a good one to have in, in the bag. It's a party trick, too. That is a great party trick. I'll hit up one more question while we're here because yeah. we talked about the Olympics. This is from uh, Seth Keaton. How do you feel about the current state of BMX with it being introduced to the Olympics? I think it's amazing, dude. You know, there's going to be the core guys that are going to hate it, say it's going to ruin the sport. It's also going to create a whole new sport for people that would never get into it. You know, they're going to watch it on TV and be like, holy shit, that's so cool. I want to do that. You know, and it's going to drive people to progress the sport and excel in it. And it's amazing. For the core guys, they're never going away. They have nothing to worry about, you know. And, like, I feel like I'm definitely way more of a core guy than an Olympian by any means. I don't, I don't even, like, call myself an athlete. <laughs> but, um <laughs> Yeah, like it's. I think it's great for the sport, you know, and yeah. I would think it would have all the professionals making more money too, because more people are gonna be buying bikes and 
getting into the sport. Yeah. Yeah, but but that could go both ways also. Yeah. Like it could take away from the core guys from like the trail scene or the bull scenes or whatever, but I I don't know. The the bottom line is I don't know. Yeah. But I think it's awesome. I think it's great. It gives somebody a platform to excel in something they love. And I that's think good it enough for me. It's like, too, you know. It does answer. legitimize it, yeah. you know, but you know, it gives it's another platform for people to do what they love and I'm all about it. That's awesome. Well, we are going to pivot into a guest question from none other than Luke Seal. <laughs> Here we go. Great. Michael, Luke Seal. One of the things that I've always appreciated about you is that even if it's work-related, you keep it fun and just make it a good time. So that being said, why were you late to the Dreamline Finals? in Wabasha, Minnesota, and how'd you do in that contest? And second follow-up question, what was the most embarrassing bit of footage you ever sent in to GoPro when you had to send them footage every month? Go. Go. <laughs> That's a great way to end the question. Great. Oh, man, Luke, Luke Seal is the best, man. Um, what was the first question? Uh, the Dreamline... Short-term memory Why were you late? Shot. Okay, so... I don't remember. I, I know. You do? You know the yeah, I talked to <laughs> tell, me, tell me if I'm right. Okay. Because I don't. I probably had a night, something to do with drinking the night before or something. No? No. You want me to tell? I, I'll answer this for you. Tight. Yeah, please. Because so, I, I don't remember. I'm going to paint a picture. <laughs> oh, I was fishing. Yes. I was fishing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah with Dennis Anderson. Yeah. That, yeah. So to, to paint a picture about this when he was explaining to me, uh, the, the it's called Dreamline, yeah. correct? And it's one of the biggest dirt contests in the world maybe the best ever to be done ever to be one done. of them that and red bull elevation are like the two biggest Big, ones biggest prize purse huge for his career right yeah. and he shows up late because he's fishing fishing the mississippi river dude. exactly <laughs> sick, dude. <It> sick. <laughs> well, i got i went to tackle like we're in wabasha minnesota and if you don't know where that is you remember the movie grumpy old men oh mm-hmm. yeah that movie is based out of wabasha minnesota okay it's got, like, a population of not very much at all. <laughs> like, I'm talking, like, maybe 500, maybe. Like, that's... I'm from Southern California. There's a ton of people there. Mm-hmm. And um, somebody's like, oh, yeah, you check out the Mississippi River. Yeah, I'm like, we're near Mississippi? <laughs> like, you're the river? <laughs> what? Where's this? I got to see this. And so I ran to a tackle shop. I bought, like, an ugly stick, like a 30 or $40 setup. I bought a couple Rapalas. Rapala, Rapala, I don't Rapala. know. Rapala, yeah. And a couple cast masters. I love fishing. I've grown up fishing my whole life. And I will say, a cast master, I've caught more fish off a cast master than any lure ever. And it's anywhere, any type of fish. Like a cast master, for some reason, I'll get that. But anyway, so I hit up my buddy Dennis Anderson, who is, you know, the Dave Mirror of this generation. He's the best at BMX, in my opinion, hands down. When it comes to well-roundedness, he does everything to the best. And um, we go to this, we go check out the river. And there's like a bay there with a bunch of boats and there's a gas dock. And I'm like, let's go fish on the gas dock. We're going to get kicked out, but let's just go for it. Every cast, dude, we were either catching a smallmouth bass or a pike. It's whacking fish. Dude, whacking, whacking them. Every cast. Mm-hmm. Every single cast. And I'm just like, I'd never seen a pike before in real life. It's a freshwater barracuda. Oh, dude, those things are carnivores. Dude, they're gnarly. Carnivores. The and they'll just teeth. eat anything yeah. you throw in there if they're there. Yep. Yeah. And dude, we probably caught like 20 fish in like an hour. 
Maybe, I mean, maybe we fished longer, but we caught so many, literally every cast. I got to the point where I'd just drop it down and start walking and I'd get hooked up. And I'm like, dude, this is <laughs> sick. And so we were late because we couldn't stop fishing. We were like, this is so <laughs> sick. I'm so happy he asked that because I totally forgot about this. So, so then ha so then you show up at the event and you're in the finals. and Yeah, and they're like, dude, the contest is starting. Where were you? And we're like, dude, we were fishing. We got so many. It was so sick. <laughs> Luke just looked at me like, Cause this guy. He's a Red Bull athlete manager at the time, or yeah. he worked for Red Bull. I w so I wasn't on Red Bull at the time. Okay. Yep. This was like a year, maybe two years prior to me getting on Red Bull. Um, but yeah, that's why I was late to the biggest dirt contest <laughs> of my life. <laughs> How'd you end up doing? I got third. Perfect. <laughs> I got third. It was a good time. I got the podium. That's, that, so that's a testament to your character, though. Yeah. Like, dude, I know there's a big contest. I know there's a lot of money, but we are whacking fish. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know what say. One forecast. <laughs> just having fun over your yeah, career. Dude. Just like, so one day I'm at the Mississippi. And then you go get third. Who knows? If you're all stressed out about that, oh, I can't go fishing. This is a big, serious contest. You show up after you whack a couple of fish, you're feeling dude, incredible. I'm loose you're limber. Loose. I'm like, let's do this, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, keep it fun. You got to keep it yeah, fun. That's dude. how you get on the podium. Now, part two that question i'm interested in it's about the gopro footage let's get into that there's so much i don't even did he tell you the answer uh, he didn't tell me the one? answer but i know there's like a lot of dong out type of stuff there's a lot of dong out um <laughs> so you're I, just sending it to gopro i sent them a lot of stuff <laughs> like there's that here's a good one jason leaming or um jaden leaming is just got on red bull from new zealand they did a, a trip out here and it was kind of like his welcome to the team thing. They did like a whole series with them. And we went out to Catalina Island. We're fishing, snorkeling with them and stuff. And <laughs> this is when I was on GoPro. This, there's, I don't know what the craziest one was, but this was spot on. I'm in the water and I'm like, dude, I got to poop so bad. And so I grabbed the ghost stick or GoPro stick and I shove it back there. And I'm like, <laughs> no. and this eel comes out. And it looked like a mora eel. It had two eyeballs and a mouth coming out of a cave. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I'm definitely sending this to Toshi. <laughs> oh, you said GoPro footage, you taking a shit. Yeah. <laughs> and, and told him there was an eel? Or just, you I mean, it looked like one. <laughs> Dude, do you know what the Okinawan sea snake is? Uh, unfamiliar, no. <clears throat> well, this is another GoPro related thing. Okay. Um, I don't ride for them anymore. I ride for opkicks. They're awesome. But. Yeah. I don't. I respect them too much. So yeah. I can't send them that kind of stuff. Okay, I like that. Look at nice plug. That's a professional but, um, there. Yeah, Opkex is awesome. But <laughs> the Okinawan sea snake. You've never heard of an Okinawan no. sea snake. So they're found it off the coast of Okinawa, Japan. They're the deadliest sea snake of all sea snakes. They grow. Wait, let me look it up really quick. It's right here. A little fact. They check. grow three to four feet in length. They float to the surface and they break apart into hundreds of pieces, only to be eaten by fish. Really? Yeah. They just break apart. You've never, you've never. I can't We're not never, as much semen. We're landlocked this, over this here. Is, yeah. This is an interesting. This term. is the Okinawa <laughs> sea snake, and where they come from. Is it poop? Here we go. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Oh, I don't want to see oh, that. Oh god, is that you? Jesus Christ! Can we just do the audio? <laughs> that, is, that is disgusting. Is that poop? <laughs> Yeah, it's not really. It's definitely aggressive. It's aggressive. I got a GoPro at the time, and I'm just like, they want all the footage. 
He's shitting in the water and it's floating to the surface. He's it's, it's like four feet right. long though before it breaks. Yeah, we should. If I threw a tape measure on that, I'd say maybe four and a half. Four and a half foot shit. Yeah, that's like yeah, that's incredible. Now something about in the water, maybe it like. Mm-hmm. Grease water babies extra long. <laughs> so we gotta, while we're on the subject of all this stuff, there's a great story I heard about you do the hang fives, I believe it was San Francisco. You go, <laughs> yeah. so you go, so I you already know this one. The, you, how many hills did you do? The, the four so biggest ones? We were going to do the five of the steepest hills in San Francisco. Five. Yep. And we did this project. I looked at this hill for 10 years in Canyon Lake, California. And I was always like, man, I need to, I want to hang five this. And my, my dream was to go 65 miles an hour on the front wheel. I wanted to go the speed limit of the freeway. And I looked at it for like 10 years. And my athlete manager at the time, uh, Aaron Lutze, he's a legend. He, uh, he's like, Hucker, do you have any video projects you want to do? I'm like, geez, I don't know, man. I was like, there is this hill. I've always wanted to hang five. He's like, sweet. We'll get cops there. We'll shut down the road. We'll do all this stuff. And I'm like, whoa, this is really happening. I have to do this now, you know? And it, it blew up. It went crazy. It did super good. And so Lutzi was like, hey, how about we take you to San Francisco and do five of the steepest hills? And I'm like, all right, sick. You know, I, I wasn't able to go 40, or I wasn't able to go 65 on that one. I was only able to go 42.8, I think it was, almost 43, because the hill wasn't steep enough. It needed to be steeper. So he's like, well, let's go to San Francisco. They have some of the steepest hills in the world. Problem with San Francisco is the hills are so uneven and bumpy and potholes. It was so much sketchier than the one I did before. But we didn't do in row the top five because, like, there's a one windy one. You can't do it. It's impossible. And then yeah, it's a couple, like the windiest road in the world or whatever. Yeah, and ste- the steepest, windiest steepest road in windiest. the world. And then some of the other ones just had, like, concrete that was just, like, sticking up, like, that high. And you would die. Yeah. But we did... Like, we had them in order, the steepest ones, and they were, like, picked out of, like, the top 10 or something. But it was the steepest ones that I was able to do. That was terrifying. But, it, oh, yeah, anyway, so, so back to so the there's, question. there's one part that didn't make the show, right? There's one part that didn't make the show. Can this you explain the, the story of what happened with this? So, they're like, oh, yeah, in San Francisco, it's a nude town. You're allowed to walk around nude, and you can't even get in trouble. And I'm like, really? <laughs> So I stripped everything down and bombed one of the hills butt naked. And did the hang five. Did the hang five. Dong over bar. Dong, Dong right over, over bar. the bars, basically. We had a cop there. <laughs> he was on a motorcycle. And then after I did it, he w- went to the bottom of the hill and did a wheelie up the hill on his dirt bike. And I was like, this is sick. I love San Fran. I had no idea San Fran had a nudity policy. Neither did I. Neither did I. But I was like, well, hey, man, time and place, right? Yeah. Kind of now. They filmed it all. I don't know what happened to the footage. You didn't make the edit, but. But wow. you did it. Hey, you know what? I'm a big believer in time and a place, you know. Take every opportunity you get in life because you might not be able to get it again. And I don't think I'm ever going to be able to hang five down one of the steepest hills in San Francisco naked again in my life. Just shoes, you know? I imagine? Just shoes. I did have shoes. <laughs> I don't want bloody toes. That, that's like a, that's a porn star move sometimes yeah. you see. Just, yeah, just, just socks shoes, or just shoes? Yeah, yeah, just the socks. Just the socks. <laughs> just the socks. <laughs> that's a, a classic move. move. So uh, uh, while you were just saying that, you previously gave us – kind of some incredible advice you received from Fuzzy Hall along the lines of what you're talking about. What did he say to you? Yeah, he said, ride the wave, you know, in any any aspect of life, you know, like take the good with the good, take the bad with the bad, learn from it. You know, like we, you get this wave and it's could be the best wave of your life, but it's up to you to make it. If you don't paddle for it, you're never going to get it, you know, and just 
turn everything bad into positive experience. You know, it took me to break my neck the second time. And I didn't know I broke my neck the first time, but I broke it the second time. I was coughing up blood out of contusion on my lung. I fractured my C7, T1, and 2. It's a long story, but, you know, I'm sitting in the hospital bed in Australia. I'm like 22 at the time and putting a brace on my neck. And I walked in because I didn't know what was wrong with me. And, you know, that's when reality punched you in the face. And I learned and I feel like I always appreciated everything pretty good like from a young age but that's what made me really appreciate everything I used to hate it when I would get hurt because I couldn't do other things I love to do you know and I I learned a lot from that one you know I, I got to go hang out with my friends I was traveling so much back then I got to hang out with my friends and my family when I was home I got to chill for two and a half months three months and you know th there's good in every bad thing that happens in life and it's up to you whether you're going to make that or break it you know mm -hmm. uh, how how important that outlook is you know you advice. got to man yeah. like bad <laughs> shit happens to all of us it's inevitable people die you know and you know just take the good out of it life is learn short. from it life's short dude you gotta get some while you're here man don't hold back short. and yeah. if you get the chance to do it naked send it <laughs> <laughs> now i'm gonna maybe now if you're of age and it's legal and it's legal <laughs> definitely <laughs> legal okay we are really excited about our new sponsor Bubs Naturals. Huh, Buds? Yes. Very excited. Now, they are a collagen protein company, and Bubs has an incredible story. It was founded by Sean Lake and TJ. We're both avid snowboarders, friends of the snowboard industry, raised by snowboarding, and they made it to honor their friend Glenn, a.k.a. Bubs. Now, Bubs was a ski bum up at Snowbird. He eventually became a Navy SEAL, and... He lost his life saving others. Yeah, if you've seen the movie 13 Hours, it's about Bubs and his crew in Benghazi saving Americans and uh, their story. It's definitely interesting. Check it out. Great movie. Highly recommend. Uh, one thing that's really cool about Bubs, 10% of all of the profits go to charity. Some of the charities like Protect Our Winners, all kinds of charities. Now, I wanted to tell you guys about collagen because that's what this is. This is a collagen protein powder. Now, collagen is basically the glue that holds your body together. It's great for joint health. It's great for muscle recovery. You know, Jeremy Jones broke both of his legs in an avalanche. What's he using to recover? Collagen. Collagen. I see him. I work out with Jeremy. He takes this every single time after he works out, and he is on the mend. I take it after I work out. You, if, you, if you get older, if you're an old head, you want to keep doing it, you got to take collagen. So why not support a great company, and that company's Bubs. If you're interested in picking some up, head on over to bubsnaturals.com. Use promo code BOMBHOLE. How much you save, buds? 20%. So, again, head on over to bubsnaturals.com. Save 20% using promo code BOMBHOLE. Support a good cause. Support the podcast. And uh, keep going as you're an old head. You want to stay out there. You want to stay out there longer. Get yourself some bubs. Yeah, I'm I'm old as shit over here. <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm if I'm gonna be keeping up with the kids, man, I can't, I have to take this or else I got to take days off. So that's true. Keep that collagen bubs. in the system. You start losing it at 22 is the word. Jeez, really? I'm way behind. There it is. <laughs> Sign me up. I'm ready. And one last. <laughs> it's all about recovery. One last know? fun fact: nutrition is 70 percent of overall health and wellness. What is this? This is good nutrition. Okay, let's get back to the show. So uh, one thing that's cool, just side, side topic, while we're on the subject of health and nutrition, you told me an incredible story about a juice cleanse you did and the effect it had on you. And I think that that's super interesting. Yeah. Jesus, um, three or four years ago, 
I was heavier. I, I've gone through a lot of phases with health and I always like fall back off the wagon, but I'm doing better than I've ever done. Still so much room to improve, but I was pretty bigger. I always had a problem with being tired. I could sleep in until two o'clock if I tried. At any point in the day, I could lay down wherever I was and fall asleep and take a nap. I, it could be on a sidewalk with 100 degree weather. did not matter. I could always f- lay down, close my eyes, and fall asleep anywhere I was, no matter what. And I also had uh, bad diarrhea a I, lot, all the time, like way more often than solid poops. And how did this podcast t- turn into talking about poop so much? We talk about we, poop. We, we love diarrhea. It's, it's I a mean, great there's subject. poops right behind you. It's pretty funny. So. Oh, yeah. Anyways, oh, yeah. so um, my wife's friend, she told me, she's like, oh, yeah, so-and-so just signed up for this holistic juice fast. I made us appointment. I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. I'm like open-minded. I'm always down to try something new, you know? I'm like, for sure. Like, cool, let's do it. The second those words came out of my mouth, I had to go really bad. Like I was going to drop a load and this little thing came out. It was only like that big. And it looked like a piece of a vegetable that wasn't fully digested came out. And I'm like, Whoa, babe, look at this. Like, that's all that came out. She's like, take a photo of it. So-and-so has to show the lady the photos of what comes out, you know, so she could assess it to see what's going on. Turns out it was a rope worm. And it's like the second, she told me she made that appointment for my gut. It knew its life was over and just forfeited, like put up the white flag. <laughs> like, I'm done, guys. I'm like, I'm, I'm out. It's I'm been, out. A, it's been a good run. This is really going to suck. And uh, the the woman, her name's Kimba. She is awesome. She did the juice fast. She made us the juices we drank every day. It was three giant mason jars full of juice, one protein juice. We had to do like water clonics twice a week, pesticide, or not pesticide, um, uh, parasite cleanses, gallbladder cleanse, like a bunch of stuff throughout the course of 30 days. And she said that those take eight to 10 years to reach maturity. This is what she told me. I never did any of the research, but I'm like, holy shit. And she was like, that's fully matured. So that thing lived in me for that long. And that makes all the sense in the world why I felt that bad for that long. And I'm like, where'd it come from? She's like, have you ever been to Mexico? I'm like, a hundred times. <laughs> I'm like, when I went to China, all I ate was the stir fry on the street carts, like the sketchiest <laughs> yeah, food, you the know, sketchy, you don't know what you're getting. Yeah. So I have no idea where it came from, but it was with me for years and it makes all the sense in the world because about eight years prior to that, that's where I started having those issues. And I always just, I never got it checked out. I was just like, Oh, it is what it is. I eat fast food before I go to the trails, you know? And it's just, so that that was a big eye opener for me, and I lost a bunch of weight and thirty. I lost like thirty pounds in thirty days, and I kept it all off wow. for a long time, and then started falling back off and just not eating as clean. And you had your energy levels got jacked dude, way back up, right? dude. Instantly after like the first week, I had all the energy in the world, no foggy mindedness. Mm-hmm. I was just clear thoughts. I was weak physically because I wasn't getting enough protein. I was. You know, like we had one little like cashew milk or an almond milk that was that big. That's all we got for protein. The rest was all just green, organic, certified organic juices that she would make us. And then I had to drink like a gallon and a half water at least every day. So anytime you'd be hungry, you just drink water or drink a juice. But the juice actually filled me up. I didn't even crave food at all after like the first wow. couple of days. But um, that was the best thing I ever did for myself health wise. And uh, you learn a lot about yourself 
when you're so unhealthy and just, you know, take that leap of faith into being healthy. And it's, it's cool, man. Dude, that worm. Well, yeah, also the guy. other thing too is we all Passenger. we side sidebar on that is that we all have pa- parasites inside of us. Every, yeah, we all have we have them. thousands and thousands yeah. of parasites, and if you don't do a parasite cleanse every lo- once in a while, that they suck your nutrients out of your yeah. digestive tract. And um, I haven't personally though. My girlfriend's big on the digestive cleanse and says it's a or the the parasite cleanse rather, and says it makes a huge difference. Yeah, we were too. talking about this earlier, and mm-hmm. it, it's crazy because literally. I could fall asleep anywhere for years. It was like just lay down your energy, yeah. like literally lay down and just take a nap anywhere, anytime, <laughs> any day, any place. And yeah, that thing was just sucking all my nutrients out of me. Or I'm sure it wasn't just that one. I'm sure yeah. there's a lot. I mean, I ate a lot of sketchy things. Yeah, there's probably more than one in there. Huh? <laughs> oh, probably thousands Dude, of wow. bad ones. But yeah, so it, it was really cool. It was a great learning experience. And uh, I started taking my health a lot more serious after that. That was like three or four years ago. Also, if you want to be a professional athlete and you want to do it, there's an expiration date. If you want to push that expiration date of pro career, you got to take care of yourself. Yeah, like I I never took care of my body and I'm paying for it now. Now I'm finally taking care of it and I feel better than I have in a long time, Mm -hmm. but I still have a long ways to go. Like I I can't touch my toes on my best day. I never, Mm -hmm. never stretched. Now I have to stretch every morning and throughout the day. Otherwise I physically can't function, you Mm -hmm. know, but the collagen thing, I saw the collagen on that. I'm like collagen and protein. Hmm. What do we got here? Yeah. (laughs) Well, one thing it's cool too. I've heard a great quote, a friend that goes to our gym. He's like strongest guy out of everybody there. And he's, he's almost 50. And, uh, I was like, well, what, dude, how do you do this? He's like, well, the things I'm doing now in my forties are setting me up for my fifties and sixties. The things you do in your twenties set you up for your thirties. When you think about it, what I'm doing today in my thirties is going to affect my forties. And, and you look at it on a long, longer, bigger picture thing. And, uh, it, it, it makes sense like that. If you want to be able to do shit for longer, you got to do it while you can. Yeah. So, and um, you have to push it. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can't half-ass it you gotta go all out and make it count every time absolutely let's change gears because you're a socal kid i want to i want to dive into your extensive surfing skill set this guy have you seen him in surf footage buzz uh, i haven't dude he literally looks like <laughs> fucking rob machado oh, out there. Yeah? he's getting oh, fucking crap dude. he's getting shat i am like, on a podcast i am a kook i just like to pull into closeouts dude you got, okay <laughs> like, one thing we're gonna put on the screen here is there's a viral clip of him Dropping into a bomb, okay, and he gets closed out, and then his board shoots like fucking out of frame, forty feet in the air, and it is the most insane clip. The you wave know, just closes out on him, dude. But we talked about this earlier, and you mentioned that you're like, yeah, like, what's your mentality when you pull into a wave that's definitely going to crush you? You know, there's things in life you can't pay money to get. You know, like. There's things, there's feelings you get in life and just pulling into a closeout and having that million dollar view, you can't pay for that, you know, and it's going to work you and you're going to pay for it. You do this on purpose. Yeah. You might get yeah. a barrel though. There's you a, there's a, there's a 1% the chance. chance. There's, there's no, a chance no. of a barrel. You're no, definitely going to get a barrel. There's more there's than a, a 1% of a barrel. chance. There's way, like sometimes it's like a really good chance. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I don't just pull into closeouts, but if there's <laughs> a huge set coming and there's... Yeah you know, 50 guys on one wave and they're all going for it. I'm not going to paddle battle to maybe get a good yeah, one. I'm just going to be like, all right, you guys go for it. Nobody wants that one. Cause it's gnarly. <laughs> Sign me up. You know, <laughs> so sick. And it well, dude, like most of those waves that like the wedge, for example, there's some 
epic waves there. And I do get some really good ones too. But if a set's coming in and everybody's like scratching shoulders, I'm like, dude, I don't want to freaking burn somebody right now. I'm like, go for it. I'll get the next one, you know? And I don't know. There's, there's just something very humbling. I mean, you know what it's like being out in the country? Like, are you going to get an avalanche? Are you going to survive? You know, like you're going to go drop off this giant cliff. There's eight feet of powder. Odds are you're going to be fine, but you might not, you know, and it's scary. Your adrenaline's pumping, but you get through it one way or another. Mm -hmm. And that's the payoff well, with I'm, pulling I'm, into big barrels for me, you know, like I, I want that vision. And then you get ragdolled. And sometimes you're like, like, I've had times where I'm like, shit, dude, I'm like out of air, like, going like that in your throat and then you pop up and you're just so thankful you know you're like dude i just did that mm -hmm. like <laughs> well, it's that, just so humbling it's so it's there's, there's a lot of life lessons you can't in the describe ocean. it you know yeah the, the ocean and you you we talked about this on the car ride back from woodward but you were mentioning that the ocean is kind of your form of would you say meditation or spirituality i don't remember the verbiage you used all of it dude yeah. it, the, to me the ocean's a very spiritual place um it connects me it, it just grounds me, you know, and it's it's just so peaceful out there, and you could have the worst day of your life, and you can go surf and not even think about it once, you know, and or go free diving or do anything. It's just, the, spe the it's like what the mountains are for people, you know. The mountains are f like that for me too, but to be out in nature and know that, you know, are, is a bear going to get you today, a mountain lion, is a shark going to fucking eat me? It's just, it's it's a very special place. I think also the the mentality is like you know you're you you're known for shredding waves and you're also kind of the guy that's not afraid to pull into one that might that might just absolutely rock you. But the thing that I think the lesson that that's cool there is that like most people are scared to death of a wave crashing on them and you know you're getting thrashed. You're under the water and you just seem to have this great mentality to just accept it and be like I'm on for the ride, right? Yeah, dude. It's a roller coaster underwater. You could get hurt. Odds are you're not gonna get hurt, but just go with it, man. You're you're in the palm of Mother Nature, and she's just rah, doing whatever she wants, and you're just along for the ride, dude. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Embrace the uncomfortable struggle, because yeah, me, dude. I'm out there. I'm so tense and tight, and I can't. I I have a hard time finding that. Uh, embracing that when I'm getting that struggle, but it's a beautiful thing, and it seems like you've done that with your. It's kind of a. a carries over to biking and things like that too. Yeah, you know what's crazy? One of the turning points in me surfing, like I was on the surf team in middle school and high school, and my best friend, Logan, his dad was like a ripper surfer. And I remember like surfing, I'm like a sophomore, maybe freshman in high school, and like I'd go on waves and I'd always get that feeling. I'd fall, I'd be like scared, like am I going to drown, you know? And I remember we're in the jacuzzi and – we were surfing that day and it was big and I was like kind of scared out there. And Mitch looked at me. He's like, why are you scared? I'm like, I don't know. I just don't like being held under. He's like, how long were you really under for? Four, five seconds, six seconds, maybe 10 max, 10 seconds underwater for people that aren't comfortable with the ocean feels like eternity by the while or by the way, yes. when you can't control what's going on. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. He's like, I guarantee you could hold your breath for a minute in the pool right now if you try. And ever since he told me that, like, that fear went out. Like, it, it's still there, and it has to be there. Otherwise, bad things happen. Like, you have mm -hmm. to have fear. But you have to respect it and embrace it, you know? And it's, ever since he told me that, I, I kind of stopped worrying about it. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like, I, 
got this. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. I started charging a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I also liked the earlier you were talking about how your, your older brother is uh, kind of, I don't want to use the word reef chief, but kind of, uh, he seems to be the guy on the break that is like, he's, he's like making sure things are, are in line. Yeah. Right? He, um, geez, he's been bodyboarding wedge for like 20, probably 30 years now, probably close to 30 years. And he was the guy that you, you know, you don't mess with. You, he's the guy that if you're some guy, you could be from there or not from there. He'll give everybody the same treatment. If you're out there and you're just going on every wave, not giving other people a chance, burning people is the worst thing you could do, but just not being respectful. He's going to tell you to get out and come back next season, you know, and he's the one that will make sure that he's, he's the one that will put you in your place. And so I knew that going into it, and I knew how it worked, and he treated me the exact same way. He was cool to me, but he's like, don't you burn anybody out here. And so I was scared as shit. You know, it's one wave at the wedge, and all I could think about is, oh, my gosh, is there somebody behind me? So that's what started freaking me out was I was scared to burn somebody because I'd have to deal with him. And then I was like, oh, man. Nobody goes on the closeouts. <laughs> I love that. This is sick. I go on any one of those I want. And so that's what made me start doing it, you know? And then I'm like, dude, you get the million dollar view right there. Like, money can't buy that. I get any one of those I want that nobody wants to go on. This is awesome. So Sign me up. And everybody thought I was crazy, but I was like, dude. But to me, that was how I could get yeah. any wave I wanted, you know? So I just turned those crappy waves that nobody wanted because they're just gnarly. <laughs> the best part of that is when somebody's, when somebody's going on a closeout, you're like, God damn. <laughs> like, he's really going. I'm like, he's really going on that one. Like, Dude, I get that. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't surf wedge as much as I used to. I used to surf there back in high school every South Swell. Um, I haven't even, I've only surfed there a couple times over the past couple of years, but every time I surfed there, it counted. It was really good days. Mm-hmm. Really good days. So you consider, would you consider yourself a seaman? A man of the sea. Uh, you, I don't like Nate labels. <laughs> I don't like labels. So let's talk about your seamanship here. Uh, seamanship. Which one? Huh? Well, <laughs> you, I mean, you're also into, earlier you, you made it very clear you like whacking fish. Uh, you yeah. like, I know you deep dive into the ocean and you put a headlamp on at night and go snag lobster. Not just a, a tiny little hand light. Oh, it's a hand light. Yeah, okay, yeah. Light. I, I use the smallest one, like, like I've had the big one where the the lights like that big, way too big. It scares the lobsters. I just like it a little. Them away. I, I like a little light that's that big. The lens is like that big. Explain and what this is for the people that are unfamiliar. Uh, diving, free diving for lobster. Yeah, and we go at night, and it's just so sick, dude. You're hunting. You're literally hunting. And there's some nights where they see the light and they dart in the holes. There's other nights where they're just everywhere, and you can just pick them off. And it's just, it's a very cool thing. And uh, just being one in the ocean, you know, like you're out there and Mother Nature's You're not grass. scared of sharks at night? Yeah, there's been times where I've been spooked, you know, and there's, I do believe that all those times I did get spooked. Maybe not all of them, but I got spooked for a reason. Yeah, like you know something's Dude, there. your instincts happen for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's anywhere, anything you're trust doing your in life. Intuition. Trust your intuitions. And, uh, like, here's here's a great example. One, t- I, I have two great examples. One time I'm diving, 
And the visibility was crappy. It was really murky. And I'm down there. And I'm like 25, 30 feet down. And I could see like from here, maybe from here to that window away. From here to the camera's away. And you ever see the movie Deep Blue Sea? Mm-hmm. I remember that. You know the Classic. part where the guy's in the stretcher, he's getting brought up in the helicopter, the shark gets it, brings him down. <laughs> yep. And then uh, they like throw him into the windshield or into the glass, he comes off, and then he's like floating, and then the shark just comes out of nowhere and just swoops him up. I had that vision when I'm like right off the bottom of the floor. It's murky. I just had that, and it was very distinct and defined. And it freaked me out and i was like what the it felt like i was being hunted and i go up and my buddy bar spinner he's like hawker he's screaming bloody murder i'm like what's going on he's like do you see that right in front of you and i look and no shit six feet away there's a dead seal filled up with gas just rotting and i'm like shark food this is weird how did i just happen to have that feeling like in my heart i felt it Mm -hmm. And then I come up, and my friend's screaming at me because there's a dead seal that's full of gas that's rotting on the surface. And so I'm like, what do you want to do? Do you want to go in? He's like, I don't know if we should go in, but we should get away from that. I'm like, all right, good good call. (laughs) So we, like, swam off, and we continued our dive, and it was awesome. That was the first time. The second time, we always used to go to the backside of Catalina Island. We'd go to the spot called Shark Harbor. and You could surf there. You camp right on the beach. You can go hiking. It's epic. So there's Shark Harbor and Little Harbor, and there's a giant rock that separates them two, and they're not very big. And out on the point, we're spearfishing. Well, I'm spearfishing. He's in like 100 yards. He was chasing Barracuda, and it's September time, so I know there's probably for sure yellowtail out there, maybe white sea bass. And I got like this big old gun. I'm in the kelp. It's like 50 feet of water. And I didn't see a single fish for like 30 or 40 minutes. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? The biggest, the only fish I saw was a calico bass and it was a baby. It was that big. And something just felt weird and something in my head, I'm, and I'm down like probably 30 feet and something in my head's like, oh, just go outside the kelp. Maybe there's something out there. There's nothing in here. And I turn around and there's a freaking great white sitting right at the edge of the kelp, just staring at me. What? And I freaked out and I went up and got air and I came back down. And the second I made eye contact with it again, it turned away super slowly. And that's when I saw the girth on it and the mass of it. So when it's, when it's staring straight at you, you don't know how big it is, you know? And I freaked out. I went up for air, came back down like 10 more times, didn't see it again. And then I started like getting mind games. I'm like, did you really see a great white? And then I saw kelp like way back farther, but it was in really deep water. I'm like, oh, maybe it was just the kelp. Maybe it was just the kelp. But your instincts happen for a reason, dude. Something told me, oh, go outside. See what's there. I turn around. It's just staring at me. That's crazy. So Bud's talks avidly on this podcast about his biggest fear. What is it, (laughs) Sharks, dude. (laughs) So paranoid. I can be in a freshwater. I can be in a pool, and I'm like scared. I, I I would rather be in the water with my snorkel gear on with a great white than being chased by a mountain lion any day of the week. Damn. Any day of the week. And you even I, went, and I, I would have panicked out of there as far out of there and you like went back down to look at it and see what Oh, I going. wanted to make sure it was still there and then I didn't see it again. Then I you know, it you, was you know, crazy. You know what's the cool thing about this though too? I also think that, you know, we are a very old species. Like, we, we're fucking old. We've been Not here, as old as sharks. But not as old as sharks. You're right. They're goddamn dinosaurs. But we've been here for a long time. Millions of years, right? So so you look at... W- only in the past hun- few hundred years 
have we gone away from our hunter-gatherer self, right? I do. We're it, not grounded it, with the earth anymore. You're not grounded with the earth. And so one thing that, that is, is really interesting, like I don't talk about it because I, I respect that people are vegetarians and they, and I think if you're, if that, that, that actually checks the same box. If you harvest your own food, you have a garden, it, it's awesome. You're like, this is Ooh. incredible. If you like to eat and that calls you, I understand. But I, I hunt. And I never, I rarely talk about it because I understand it upsets people. And if that upsets you, that's okay. I understand. But I've always wondered why, why do, does it, why do I get so excited? Like I will wake up at four o'clock in the morning and like before my alarm to go. Before yeah. my alarm. <laughs> Five minutes before it, it goes it, off And every I'm time. like, I'm like, God, I'm so excited. Right. And I've never, and I think that there's something deeply innate in us as like, as hunter gatherers are, are old, old there's animals the, on the an, earth. There's animals that when you when you go down and you get that lobster, it's exciting. When you when you pull in a fish, when you you know you 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 kill an animal and you eat the meat, and that and and I understand if you're uncomfortable with that. Like same goes for gardening. It's a ga- hunter gather. You know, yeah. we gathered food. That's a big part of how we grew up as well. So so like you know, in that sense, I think that there's, it's really cool to connect to that deeper spiritual, like we're animals. We, we think we're like, we're really just freaking monkeys with computers. You know what I mean? That like, think we're smart. Like, Oh, I got my important business job and I do my computer. It's like, yeah, but are we, we're all stressed out <laughs> yeah, exactly. on making money. Yes. Not even about what matters. And that's being mm-hmm. present, you know? Yes. Like we that's have the all truth. these distractions in life. One, one of the craziest experiences I've ever had in my life was, through Red Bull, actually, we did a performing under pressure camp. And you know Johnny and Angel Collinson? Unfamiliar. They're, they're skiers. Oh, I know John Collinson. John. Yeah, I know him. Yeah. So him and his sister Angel were there. Yep. Um, Ian Walsh, he's like a pro big wave surfer. Uh, there, there's a bunch of guys, all different sports. There's, it, it was crazy. So there's like six of us. And we did all these crazy things to perform under pressure. And one of the things, they hired Wim Hof to train us. Have you heard of Wim yes, Hof? he's got the breathing techniques, cold so, water, all that stuff. A lot of different stuff. And we had Navy SEALs training us their stuff. We had the people from Cirque du Soleil train us how to control our emotions and run through them from 1 to 10, scale 1 to 10 on a point like that. And teaching us how to run your emotions, you know, and it's all stuff we're grounded with with earth. It's all part of us that we're gifted with being an animal here on earth. You know, we have all these things that we don't understand. We don't even know how to use them because we've been so blinded by life and society, you know. And one of the things Wim Hof said was we have not, we're, we're nothing more than animals, you know, and we've completely lost touch with our animal instincts and, how to be one with the earth. There's people that could do it. Native Americans can do it. You know, the Aztecs could do it. The, um, what are they called in uh, Australia? The uh, Aboriginal. the Aboriginals, yes. you know, the true Aboriginals. They, they're they grounded with it. They, they understand the earth, how everything works. In the society we live in, we are so far from that. Yes. You know? And we have all these instincts for a reason. We just don't know how to use them. Yes. Anymore. And I started studying breath a lot after that. I had a, crazy awakening just through breathing dude where it blew my mind it was Mm -hmm. probably the it was the craziest experience i've ever had just from breathing no Mm -hmm. drugs nothing all those all those things like that you when you take drugs the access they're all inside of us already i mean they're inside you they're already there you just you know and you might get a little glimpse of it when you're in some type of flow state you might get these glimpses of it through 
hallucinogenics, you know. You don't things. need them, though. But, but they're all in breathe. there. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And Breathing got you a feeling like hallucinogenics? Bro, I've heard I, this from a lot of people, too. I, it, it's so crazy. People think I'm crazy. I, I don't even care what no, people who think. Gives but what happened to me was we're breathing. He's got tribal music. He's, like, yelling at us, cussing at us. He's, like, he basically got us to release the DMT in our brain. Uh. And he's putting you in your darkest hole imaginable. Forget everything you've been told, taught. Forget your name. Forget your parents, where you come from, everything. And then he's like, find that deepest spot in the back of your brain. Release the DMT, all this stuff. And we're like hyperventilating. We're breathing like this. (laughs) Which I find out years later through this book I read. um, We did that for like 30 minutes. And... He's explaining everything that's going on through our body as it's happening, step by step, play by play. And he's like, when I tell you to, I want you to completely exhale. He's like, you've pumped so much oxygen into your body that you don't need any air in your lungs. He's like, I want you to completely exhale and hold your breath. And I guarantee every one of you will hold your breath for at least three minutes with zero oxygen in your lungs or air in your lungs. Um and so we're holding our breath and he's telling us all that same shit, like release the DMT, all this stuff. And I was holding my breath so long. I started getting scared. Like, like I literally thought I was going to die. And, uh, if I didn't take a breath and I fought it and he was like, just fight it. He's like, your body is so much more capable of anything you could even dream of. He's like, fight it. Don't you take a fucking breath. And I'm fighting it and I'm fighting it. And then he's like, all right, whenever you're ready, you could take a breath now. And I, I fought it for a while after that. I'm like, fuck that. I ain't taking a breath yet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, dude, it was crazy. And I got so terrified, man. I got so scared. I, I literally got to the point to where I was so scared. If I didn't take a breath, I was going to die. And I took a breath. And I got so sad and depressed because I didn't realize it until I took that breath. But wherever, the second I took the breath, I realized wherever I was before I took that breath was the most beautiful place I could ever dream of, like heaven. I don't, I don't know. Wow. I don't know. And, you know, and then I got like really bummed. I'm like, fuck, dude. Like I was there, whatever it was. I made, I got to that point and then I took a breath and it was all over, you know, and the girl next to me, she's a triathlete. She has like a resting heart rate of like 40 beats a second, you know? And so I, so then we're talking about it and they're like, what did you experience? And I was like, dude, like total ecstasy. Like, like the definition of ecstasy, like whatever that could be like pure bliss and total fear, you know? And the girl next to me, she was like, "It, it, felt as if I was having the most intense orgasm imaginable and being chased by a grizzly bear at the exact same time. Wow. So we all had our own ex- gam- gamut of all the emotions Dude, that are in the yeah. body, the high everything, and the low at the everything, same time. Yeah. Everything. And you don't realize it until you take that breath and then it's over. And that was all through Wim Hof. All training, through Wim Hof. That was just one thing. So I've, I found out years later, I read this book called Breathe. It was a great book that... I always feared dying, you know? And I never even realized that until I'm reading this book. I'm like, holy shit, like it took this long to figure that out. And I don't worry about it anymore because wherever I was, I feel like I was staring at death right in the face and it was gorgeous, dude. It was beautiful. 
I don't want to die anytime soon. I want to live my life to the fullest. But dude, when it's over, it's so it's uh, over, dude. I, it's cool. And Whatever. It, it's, it's a it's a part of life, and uh, every part of life is beautiful. You know, we're all gonna get there. Every part you of can't life fight is it. It's, it's like getting held oh, under the wave. You don't exactly, fight it. Exactly. Exactly. You don't, and you just accept it. And once you accept that you're not in control. You, there are things you can control. Yeah. Most of it, you're just on a fucking wave. You're on a ride. ride it's going to take you man. where it's going to take you. Might close out, it might not. But on the lines of what you said, that jumpsuit over there belonged to a man named J2, who's a legendary pro snowboarder. And we've talked about it. Our listeners will be familiar with this story. But Eastone was there. He had a kind of a, a, a he had a bout with cancer and he battled. And towards the end, a lot of our friends were around him in the hospital. And Easton, you should kind of explain the experience that, that yeah, he... Yeah, we, we basically saw him laying there with, like, one foot into the next world. And he started having a conversation with somebody. And he's like, you're the guy that made the mountains, huh? And then just had this crazy conversation and kept kind of coming in and out of it. But looking through us and, like, just ta- having this crazy talk... And we were just like, damn, this, it kind of made me walk away being like, dude, there's definitely something else going on. Dude, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I grew up going to Christian school, all this stuff, and I believe that everybody needs something. You know, that could be church for some people. It could be mountains. It could be the ocean for others. Whatever it is, I believe everybody needs that spirituality. Yeah. And it could be anything. It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. it is, but everybody needs to have faith in something. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. without faith, dude, like, how could you have passion if you don't have faith in what you're doing, you know? Yeah. Or how could you have faith with no, like, it's no, just, yeah, it all, exactly. it all see, goes hand in him, hand, you know? Seeing him have this conversation, too, there's, like, no doubt in my mind that someone was, like, leading him. And taking him on the next step of whatever happens after you uh, die, you know. Uh. Another thing that's kind of interesting too, along these lines, is is you know I look at uh, I have two grandmothers that have both passed on both sides. Now my my uh, my grandmother from Canada, she's very she was Catholic, very like not very religious, but went to church, spiritual, you know. And, and then my grandmother from Quebec, or she's from Ontario, and then my other grandmother's from Quebec, and she's kind of. Anti-church kind of not a not a religious person, not a faith, uh, person of faith. Both incredible people, God, incredible humans. But as they were coming to the, to the end of their life, they, uh, you know, my my grandmother uh, on my dad's side, the one that's not religious, she she fought it. It was a struggle. She just it was just a total total uh, just just dogfight for her at the end. And then you take my grandmother that was was spiritual, and she. Uh, went out peacefully and accepted. And it was, it was, and so uh, obviously religious religion is a very touchy, it, you can believe whatever the hell you want to believe. It doesn't matter. But the thing that I think that's important about some of these things is, is believing that they're, you're not in control is the main oh. thing. You're not, there's something, there's forces that we can't control what the fuck's happening. We could walk out, get hit by a car, get in our car. Like you, you get can hit by lightning, you get hit by lightning, <laughs> like crazy <laughs> things happen, you know? And yeah. we, if you're just like, Shit, I mean, I can control some things, but I'm all, I'm just here for the goddamn ride. Like, let's, you know, and, and I think that's, that's cool stuff to, to once you, once you kind of let go and realize you're not in control, it, life gets a little easier. You're like, shit, this is going to, I, I think that's one of the reasons we gravitate toward what we do as well. Mine's always being outside. Yours, everything you do, being in the mountains, you know, and it's, you know, whether you believe it or not, I don't care either way, but something, I believe created everything. It could be God. It could be, you know, solar systems clashing or or whatever it could be, you know, Mm -hmm. but something created all this and we are here to be a part of it. And worst case scenario, 
turn into worms, and the cycle keeps going. Mm-hmm. You <laughs> know? Yeah. Totally. You know, and you can't fight it, dude. And, and I remember, like, when I was a little kid, like, it was when uh, we were, like, invading Iraq and all that stuff. And then there was threats of missiles. I remember, like, screaming and crying, like, we're going to die. And my mom's like, Mike, we're not going to die. But then after reading that book also, uh, there's this thing called rebirthing, and it triggers, like, some type of trauma from childhood or possibly a past life, life or yeah. something. So after reading that book years later, I what I believe is – that fear I had of always dying came from like being a little kid and hearing that shit on the news and mm-hmm. just being terrified as a little kid, you know? And it's just, it's so crazy how everything comes around full circle in mm-hmm. one way or another. And yeah, I don't have to worry about it. This went, this took a total spin for <laughs> But this is, fun. this is, this is actually but, good but this conversation. This is real life. This you is know? real life shit. Do you, do you remember like, the author of that book, Breathe? I don't. We'll look it up. I can, I can find it, it up. It, it's cool, you know, and the lady that writes it, she is a healer from Norway or Sweden or something. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm not going to lie, in the beginning of the book, I was like, this is kind of kooky. Like, she's talking about healing people and all this stuff. Then it goes into, like, the power of earth and breathing and all this stuff. And, you know, it was it was a great read. I don't read a lot of books, and I would read that one again. That's awesome. Another mm-hmm. one called um, The Art of Water. This Chinese scientist was, like, a full scientist, stopped studying everything except for water after he started studying water, and he took these... Like, you guys have probably heard of it. Basically, everything in life is ran off vibrations. Yeah, I love Negative vibrations and stuff. And he took two glasses of water and did a study, and he would look at them through microscopes, and, you know, a normal water molecule looks like a perfect snowflake, perfectly symmetrical, gorgeous. So he took two bottles of water, and one of them said positive words to, the other one said negative words to. And the positive one beautiful right next to each other and then the molecules in the negative one were all just deformed and just jacked up and like mutated and crazy and then he starts going into you know our body is mostly water if we're putting bad energy like that out into the world we're taking that back in and it just it all goes off to positive vibrations you know yep. and I, and I read that book and I'm like, holy shit, like this is all stuff that I've always kind of done. Like I've never had it like laid out in front of me. And it's like, wow, mm-hmm. I wonder like how the hell did I come up on that? <laughs> like, well, let, let's, that th- let's, let's dive it, into, it makes total sense, you know, positive vibrations. Dude, yeah. no, nobody wants a negative Nancy. hundred <laughs> percent. And you can even, you can really like, if you're keen to it, you can feel the vibrations. Let's say, take, for example, you're in a room, everything's going good. All of a sudden two people with opposite political views start talking. All of a sudden, the vibrations in the room, it is like a toxic energy. You're like, oh my God, this is like, like, and you can tell like dogs, for example, a dog, take a dog. They can feel that. They might start, their body language just gets crazy. Their tail starts tucking. They don't know. I'm out of here. He's going to drag his butt out. (laughs) (laughs) They don't don't know. They don't even know what we're talking about. They don't speak English, but they're like, these, there's some fucked up energy going on here. I'm out. You know, then you take like, then you get like a group of good friends together and you're all, you're all uh, just kind of just like vibing right you're like fuck that's the corniest term ever but you really are you're like dude you're the energy's crazy you can pick up on the energy at a concert versus the energy at at a riot or the energy at you know the negative energy versus positive energy i know we're getting into some woo woo fucking crunchy shit yeah this just got deep these are real topics though yeah and you you look especially whether it's political or with the pandemic things are so charged and you just when i see that charged conversation about these things you're just like negativity and it's like and that breeds even more you know that breeds like mental 
every we don't need to go all the way into this, but that negative energy is real, yeah. and it's definitely 100%. something to to be co- cognizant of and surround your people with surround yourself with people that that radiate uh like the right energy negative people just attract negative events too and you can see that happen in their lives yeah just follows them around with their negativity and they're always worried about it and they're like they know it's coming (laughs) they're attracted and it's crazy well, let's pivot. What do you guys let's say? Hey, sign me what up. About, let's do uh, it. We need to do another ad read. Don't yeah, we? yeah. We'll pay some more. One more bill. We actually have a brand new theme song. I actually forgot that I made. Uh, basically, consider me like Scott Storch in the fucking audio Scott department. So here we go. This is the Pub Beer Crapshoot theme song. Welcome to the Pub Beer Crapshoot. That's Dave Chappelle saying clackety, 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 clack. <laughs> now, uh, Buds. Some smooth beer right there. Yeah. Pub beer. Cheap, fun beer. Uh, if you're going to grab a cold one on this beautiful summer, late summer time of year, early, early fall. Really any season. Any time of the year. Beer goes good with any season. Grab yourself a case of cold ones. Get yourself a case of pub beer. Support the podcast. They support us. You should support them. And it's also very affordable. Is cheap, it, cheap is, fun beer. Is it delicious? It's delicious. Yes. It's also cheap. It's also fun. It's also beer. <laughs> and it's also beer. Love Would you how fun on a, on a, on a That's level, all you need to know, right? On a level of <laughs> zero to ten, how fun is that beer? Uh, it's about the most fun I've ever had. Wow. Okay. In, in you're you're life, having probably. the most fun yeah. I've seen you have all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. We've had a lot of fun. <laughs> we've had fun. <laughs> so for the pub beer crapshoot, uh, basically what you do is you roll a number uh, two through 12. You roll two dice. They're right in front of you. Yeah. Whatever it lands on, you have to do one of these. Uh, I think it's, I guess that would be 11 items, um, if my math is correct. Yeah, there's no two one. Two dice. There is no one. Yeah. One hand, two. Yeah, however it's you want to do you. it. Yeah, dealer's choice. I guess roller's choice. A little luck. What'd you get? Trace. Trace. What would your house party entrance theme song be? It's a great question. Sugar A, I just want to fly. <laughs> wow. I don't know why that just came to my mind right now. So California of wow. you. Wow. Love it. Love that. Dude, let's talk about BMX music for a second here. <laughs> because I grew up, I, the first thing, I was doing some research for this, and I watched about a, a handful of BMX video parts. I noticed a lot of uh, like hair metal. A lot yeah. of metal. Yeah, lots of hashing going on. And then a lot lots of, of hash. W- growing up, at the, we went to a skate park. I had an indoor park in Massachusetts where I grew up. A lot of BMXers went there. And uh, there was a jukebox there. And they would always play, oftentimes back to back to back, Leonard Skinner Freebird. Um, do you want to elaborate on, uh, on, on the BMX uh, music choice? Just curious about that. Yeah, it's... Um it's a very distinct sound for the sport, I feel like. <laughs> no, like back in the day, we had like the props and the road fools and all that stuff. And they always had like the same style music. So now when I'm older, anytime I hear that, it takes me back to being a Grom watching mm-hmm. those videos, you know, and it's it's pretty sick. But there's def- definitely different styles of music for different videos, different styles of writing and stuff. A lot of the bull guys, they love that hash, just metal, just mullet flapping in the air dude yeah like the guys the fast and loose guys those guys are sick my boys um they started this thing called fast and loose and they would just go on road trips and camp out in their vans and just hit up like freaking 20 parks or 30 parks 
in a couple weeks. And they just camp out at the skate parks and just live in a van and not shower. And they're so hashed. Now they've created a whole brand. It's called Fast and Loose. It's blown up. They have collabs with vans. And they're doing it good. Chris Fox. All the guys on the team have actually won the Vans uh, Pro Cup Bowl Series. Every guy on the team. So Damn, rippers. Yeah, like pretty much the best bull riders in the world. What do you they're think they got? So ACDC in their head phones? What do you think they're both? No way. No. Just like screaming. Just, just scream. Death metal. Oh, it's even more. Oh, death. Oh, death. Oh, oh, it's like crazy. Like the Liquid Death like theme that. song. We yeah. Kind of similar. Okay. Yeah. Well, while we're on the subject of uh, music and video parts, uh, mm. if you guys are unfamiliar, maybe a BMX are coming over to watch this. We have a section called Name That Video Part. Oh, crap. I'm going to fail. <laughs> oh, it's... um. No, it's not. Yeah, that's the, <laughs> that's just the theme say, song. So you know, that's the theme song. It's the theme song. You don't have to <laughs> who, guess. Who does the guy? The price is right. That yeah, the price is the price is wrong, bitch. <laughs> the price is wrong. <laughs> that me, you made. That that was that it? Uh, Bob Barker. There Bob it is. Barker. Yeah, that, that's actually. You, I'll give you a correct on that. Yeah, um, he might have just won. He already won before we started, yeah. which well, is great. I'm not gonna win the rest of these. I don't watch enough <laughs> videos growing up. Well, so what's your confidence level? Zero through ten. We like to ask our guests. Negative ten. Wow. That's like our lowest. Well, I love okay. that. Well, here's the thing. My memory sucks. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, all my friends had biking videos. That's what they wanted to do. And I was always more like, it's Saturday. Why do you want to watch a video? Let's go ride kind of guy, you know? And I, I've definitely seen videos. Yeah. But they all kind of like, not all <clears throat> of them. Like there's some from like when I was a little kid, I'll never forget. Yep. But uh, they all kind of just, I don't know what tricks or what clips are from what videos and stuff a lot well of them. let's see let's, let's see how you do here, here here at the bomb hole we like to preserve video park culture we think it's important uh it is important no it is super important let, let's see how you do here we go great song Good couldn't song. tell you the video yeah, he looks bewildered um, yes. okay i award you no points and may God have mercy on your Billy soul. Madison. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll give you a credit for that. <laughs> he, he, he gets a credit. <laughs> you got the soundbite correct. So that is... Uh, yeah, uh, the, the intro Van, song, the soundbite. Van... <laughs> <laughs> I believe his name is Van Homan. And that's a video part he had uh, to ACDC Thunderstruck. I watched it. It's unbelievable, by the way. It, was that fit? Uh, Does it say on the I have it. List? it um, I, I can tell you after the show. Um, but I forgot the name of it but it was uh he had a, a really iconic original part that one i couldn't find the song to and this is a more recent part from him but uh what you got yourself for getting the sound bite to billy madison correct not the video part you got yourself a bomb hole prize pack it's a bomb hole cooler uh from our friends at igloo filled with bomb hole merch you probably got a coffee mug you got uh some t-shirts also all the things in oh it's loaded what's that shirt you wear sick a large I think Boom, you got yeah. a large in there. You got yeah. Large is- All of the items in there. He's got for having me, guys. Bombhole <laughs> stickers. He's got coffee Sick. mugs, shirts. All of these items are available at bombhole.com. Great way to support the show. Wait, uh, hold them up and do my Vanna White. Yeah, you can do that if you want. Yeah, you do. Let's do one Vanna White. Which one you got? Maybe you do. You got a coffee mug. Those are on the table. People see those. We got. Uh, oh, we got a beanie. What do we got? Oh, the camo. Yeah, show them this shirt. Here's a great uh, show. Them the, no, you got to show them the logo. That's not a good Vanna White. There it is. There it is. Look at that. Let's put it in front of this. Yeah, that's great. Bombhole camo shirt. Wow. Available at bombhole.com. Now, thank you, Vanna. Back yeah. after him. Now yeah. we're going to do part two of uh, Name That Video Part, and this is for our listeners. I can't believe I 
Van's been like a hero of mine since I was a grommet. I can't believe I blew that one. Well, I can't you, believe I blew that one. You got Billy Madison right, so that's a win. So for part two, this is for our listeners. Uh, our audience is generally snowboarders, so we picked a snowboard song. At this point, if you know the song, comment on the picture of Hucker when his Instagram comes out uh, on our page. That's where we pick our winner. Here we go. Oh, it's from... It's, uh... Is it actually... That's a snowboard video part. Well, it's also from... Oh, is it a okay, BMX? so that guy... That guy... Yeah. You about, oh, so he, he might get He one. made a movie back in the day. It was called... That was the one movie I grew up on. Yeah. There's two. Was and that, that song Taylor. was in there. That was in it. It was, um... Oh, gosh, wow. whose part was that? It wasn't... Yeah, but, yeah, that was in a BMX video called... You know what? How about this? We'll, what, we'll, we'll, what beep, we'll, we'll, beep, we'll beep out your answer. Okay. And because this is for the listeners, they get to comment and guess. Mm. So we'll beep out your answer. So if it's a BMX video and a snowboard video, both are acceptable. First one to comment, we'll get the and, prize. And back. if you want a little bit of old school 1990s dirt jumping roots, go check out mine. Okay. Somewhere. Somewhere. Oh, Bob Barker. Dude. Killing it now. My odds just got a lot better. <laughs> All right, buds. Do you have another Patreon question? I do have over? one more. Serve it up. I'm dying to ask. Yeah, serve it up. This is from Max should we, should we explain what Patreon is for yeah. listeners? So basically, uh, in order to do the show, we have a whole bunch of expenses and it's basically we're trying to put all of our energy towards it because buds and I love doing this show and uh, huge help from our sponsors, huge help from when people buy merch and then our Patreon. A lot of this podcast is funded by the people and so you can pay from 5 to $50 a month and then you basically get behind the scenes look. We did a, a private Patreon interview with Hucker. We do that with every guest. We do behind the scenes look at the podcast you get stuff like merch i could go on forever but you get the gist of it um you can find a link to it on bombhole.com now let's get into a question from one of our patreon members yeah we literally literally could not do this without you guys so thank you this is from max gomber what is the correlation between guys wearing tap out shirts and white flex fit hats riding bmx bikes to the gas station to buy single smokes Wait, can you repeat that again? <laughs> Don't you see those guys all the time riding yeah. around? Only so in you're Utah. Saying, so you're <laughs> only in Utah. I don't think no, this guy's from no, Utah. No, no, no. Um, I don't know, man. Are they real they, BMXers? Or no. are they just going to the store to buy They're, single smokes? Well, I think depends. That's what are their bars wondering. raked forward like <laughs> that? They're like riding like that. You, you might see those no, guys with a skateboard. Know how to have a little, I usually see them like they know how to bunny hop or yeah. jump around a little bit. Maybe they did in their youth. I don't know, man. I feel like that's. I don't know. I, I think I, it, it's hard to tell. Like you can't. I can't. I don't like to judge people to begin with. True. That's a good good point. But it's hard to tell because it's a great mode of transportation. It's a great mode. That's all it those, comes down to. If I had to guess from the way I feel like he was asking the question, I'd say those forms of BMXers are using BMX as tram- transportation. transportation. Better than a mountain bike, I guess. If you're inner city as well, you can do. You Not might cheaper be able to- if it gets stolen. Yeah, way cheaper. Those mountain bikes lately. Yeah. Do a bar spin on it. Yeah, and you can get rad if you want. Yeah. And ride your girl on the handlebars or yeah. the pegs. Or the pegs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way. homie haulers. That's yeah. probably why they have them, <laughs> the actually, is for the pegs. Yeah. They're both on the back, for sure. Yeah. That's that awesome. makes sense. I think we just cracked the code on it. Yeah, we did. Uh, one other topic that we should talk about that I thought was awesome was uh, watch the video you doing a very janky-looking loop. Yeah, that was awesome. Wait. 
Which one? It, like, it was a combination of dirt and... Oh, that one. Yeah. Okay, so that was the first ever loop I did. Yep. Runky put that whole thing together. Shout out to Ryan <laughs> Runky. Yeah, Runky. He got me to do my first ever loop. And uh, the dirt was... Or the, we were trying to do a dirt loop, but it's pretty much impossible to make yeah, an entire loop out of dirt. So we put a dirt jump before it. The bottom half of the loop was made out of dirt. The top was made out of rain. Or rain wood and then there was, a, there was a jump after it and it was huge i think it was like 18 feet tall or something like it wasn't small and i was so nervous i was like oh, i always wanted to do one but that was a rad rad project but right before they built it and then they got an absurd amount of rain and it like warped it so it didn't even work right oh, wow. so then we had to like put some sheets on it to kind of even it out and like it worked out great in the end. The clip's awesome. But, yeah, the clip, that that was a really cool experience. And one of the crazy things about that, like, I did that thing probably 50 times each day, and I was the only one riding. I was, was going like to say, were you the only there, one riding? And I'm like, when the hell are you at the trails riding by yourself with a bunch of people watching, let alone there's a loop here? I've never ridden a loop before. And it was such a cool experience, but kind of – Kind of trippy. It was at this guy Jenicor's house in Pennsylvania. He's a legend. He has a BMX racetrack in his backyard. And wow. Does like contests back there and stuff. But they used. Uh, do that you guys land. throw a little quickcrete in the in the dirt for that? No, no, just pure dirt. No, dirt oh wow, dirt and water. I was told that there was a little pro tip that sometimes guys sprinkle a little uh, concrete dust you, in there. You can it, it or cement. It just depends. You can. Some people do do that. The only problem with that is when it blows out, it's really hard to repair. Oh, good call. And dirt will eventually blow out in one way, shape, or form. And A lot like your pants have been doing a lot of this. Uh, sure. More this often show. than not. Yes. Yeah. Just <laughs> some of the smells I've experienced. <laughs> oh, is that what's going on over there? It, it's yeah. camp food. Yeah. I swear. I'm, I'm not like this all the time. Away. A little We're bit good. of light sharding going on occasionally. Light sharding. <laughs> <laughs> So I want to dive back in. Let's go. I'm going to go back deep dive to uh, deep dive. to deep some dive. some stuff we were talking about earlier because who gives a shit? We're going to talk about what we want to talk about, right? So earlier we were kind of talking about spirituality and some heavier stuff, and and I kind of want to we're going to steer clear of any church religion talk, but there the the one thing that's kind of cool I will say that I admire about religion in some senses. I'm not I don't go to church. Whatever doesn't matter what my beliefs are, but. But um, I think it's cool that people get together every Sunday and they have a community and they have they have a community. They have a place where they go and they get together. Now, a lot of us in action sports don't come from a background like that. We don't we don't have those spaces. But I think that those those trails, those when people get together and dig and have a place where they congregate, a skate park, you know, skate parks for sure. Like things that have a, a community ecosystem. And, and I'm saying it as it pertains to action sports because that's really all I know. So I'm sure it exists in a lot of other places than this. But those trails are, are so important to our, like building a uh, sense of community. As a kid, you feel a part of something, yeah. right? Those things are huge. You feel needed and wanted, you know, mm -hmm. and you, you feel like it's a place you're accepted. Yes. And that's huge. And that's what a church is, you know, and it's what the trails are. It's what... The mountain world is, it's what a coffee shop is to people that are diehard coffee people, you know? Yep. Like we all, it's what a, a bookstore is or a library to people that love reading books. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it all goes back to, I don't know, faith? Yeah, well, like not, not faith, but like... Um, 
it's a place you're accepted, you know, mm -hmm. and oh, we that. all, we all thrive for that feeling. You know, everybody wants to be accepted. Mm -hmm. And so we find those niche areas where we are and it, it becomes a part of us. You know, mm -hmm. like I feel like when I'm in the ocean, I'm at one with the ocean with the surfers around me. When I'm at the trails, I'm one with my friends there. When you guys are jumping off mountains, you know, well, you're one with the mountain, but you also have your community there supporting each other. And it ties back into earlier, we're talking about energies with the water, right? And how the, the, the negative energy negatively affects yeah. the water, positive. Those things are also little nucleuses of positive energy. Fucking get some on the whip, on the, on yeah, the jump, you know? Fucking send it, cut. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> totally. And uh, one thing that's really cool to talk about is, you know, on this, uh, we've had a lot of people sit in that chair. And it's it seems more prevalent now more than ever. Like, people are struggling from a lot of different issues, be it depression, be it anxiety, be it all, especially with, you know, pandemic and all these things that are happening in our world and, and everything's so charged up. And I find that technology is becoming more and more prevalent, which is amazing. We can FaceTime our loved ones. We can use it for a lot of things that are great that bring us together. But we abuse it. But we abuse it. And, and I think especially the younger generation, I find myself doing this too. You're sitting in a room and you're by yourself and you're staring at a screen and you're scrolling and you're like, oh my God, I have... X amount of followers and I'm interacting with all these people on the internet. But when you pull out on that, if you're to look at a picture of what you're doing, you're hunched over like this, staring at like a weird rectangular thing. There's no, there's no connect. It's not a real, it's a false sense of connection. Yeah, for sure. So I think that like the, that's what's so awesome about what we do and, and not forgetting to like, yo, you guys are having a hard time. Fuck, go get with your friends. Go, yeah. go fucking do go it. Scare go scare yourself. Go You're going to feel get, really good yeah. after, I swear. And even if you get bodied. You know? Yeah, exactly. Go scare yourself. There's that song. It's, um, that's something. It's the sunscreen song. Do you remember that? I'm not familiar. Oh my gosh. It's a great song. And it's just him talking to the class of 1999. Oh, I know that song. Okay. And he's like, wear a sunscreen. Do one thing every day that scares you. Oh, and, you yeah. know, and it's so true, dude. Like, I've I've literally done that on person per that I've done it on purpose where I like just had an off day and just nothing was going right so I went and I was like just pushing it way too much and I scared myself and then I was fine after that because mm -hmm. I realized like that was bothering me all day I almost just died over here yeah like perspective what the heck is wrong with me you know yeah it's all perspective and yeah no no Life, life's a too, trip right? that man adrenaline. yeah <laughs> y'all. Totally. Life's no, all, a trip. All this stuff's awesome to talk about. It's fun. It's fun to have these conversations. I mean, I cherish where these cameras on or off. These are fun things to do. You're, we're fucking connected. Yeah, it's really we're, fun. We're, oh, God. He's wafting <laughs> over. Johnny. You, you are both definitely connected. Johnny, you shark. I think I, <laughs> Don't send it over I might have got a little whip oh, of a tapeworm just, in there, too. Just my shirt. <laughs> Rope worm. <laughs> I think I smell I a little lost with that one. A little definitely burnt a rope worm. worm. Holy smokes. Burnt rope worm. <laughs> Dude, okay. that, that's two weeks of camp food. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, it's no. good good living over there. So uh, one thing we do on the show, every episode we do a little segment called Hot Takes. Now, uh, normally it applies to most of our guests are snowboarders. So we usually do the MJ or the goat of snowboarding. But in your case, we're going to do the MJ or the goat of BMX. And we'll, we usually do male and female. All right, so... The MJ, like Michael, past Michael Jordan, like like from the past, current, whoever it present, is to you, whoever it is to you, Dave Mira, Dave Mira, now modern, Dennis Anderson, um, Dennis Anderson, Dave Mira, because 
he was like, I mean, dude, even before Mira, freaking Matt Hoffman, dude, he invented the mega ramp. He was doing everything before any of that. He built like a 24-foot half pipe. Yeah, I remember that. That was sick. And it was so big, you couldn't pump it. So he put a freaking lawnmower engine in his frame and throttled up and was like maxing out, just trying to just figure it out. And he built like a 28-foot quarter pipe and got towed in by a dirt bike on two, on like sheets of plywood that are only that wide. And like just pioneering it, you know? And then, so that's what started it. So that, I guess, would be like, the Michael Jordan, you know, mm-hmm. but the Michael Jordan is that the best of all time, or is that the guy that was the first best to pioneer the way for the other people to become the best? You know, because like look at Kobe Bryant, mm-hmm. they call him the Black Mamba. Is he like the modern day? Was he the modern day Michael Jordan? Mm-hmm. In a sense, like yeah, there could only be one Michael Jordan. There could only be one Kobe Bryant. So yeah. I guess Kobe would be Dave Mira. So who's your LeBron then? Dennis Henderson, 100%, but with a better attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I have another topic, um, and that is why why do people not use brakes at the street park? So, brakeless riding is a form of riding that makes you fully connected with your bike. Oh, this is like a, this is a spiritual thing. No, but to some people, probably (laughs) 100%, dude. Okay. So... There's no backing out. You're going for it. Okay. You know, like I run brakes because I like to do certain tricks that require brakes. Um, one's like a fufanu where you like stall up on your back wheel on something like a yep. sub box if we're high and come back in or a bubica. I like using brakes. That's I'm old. I'm I'm mid school. I'm I'm like the tail. There's old school, the mid school, and the new school. And I don't even know what the hell the school is nowadays. But I'm like the tail end of mid school, beginning of new school. I still like some of those old school tricks. So I run brakes. A lot of people have mastered most of those tricks without brakes, and I get it. And I go through phases where I take them off because it is really fun. Like, there's no backing out. Mm -hmm. It's sick. But I always end up throwing them back on because I want to do one of those tricks. And then once I throw them on, I just kind of leave them on. I never thought about that. If you're pedaling into a gap and you're like... You're fully... It makes you fully commit. Yeah, I never thought about the fact that there's... Okay, I'm going. Yeah. Crazy. Um, That's awesome. So, Uh, brakeless is sick. Uh, Sorry to cut you off. Brakeless is sick, but I do prefer brakes. I'm sure I'll take them off again at some point, but I always end up putting them back on. I was genuinely curious because I I just am not familiar with BMX in that sense. Brakes Uh, are coming back, though. There's more brakes than ever. Is it coming back? Since the 90s. So uh, another one, I thought we asked this on our Patreon interview. I think it's a great answer. Worst trend, just in general. In general? No, you already had an answer for this, talking about... On social media, there's a trend that you was like the worst best, best trend ever. And it was in regards to shotgunning a beer. Oh, yeah. That was the worst, best one ever. <laughs> yeah, where you shotgun a beer and then somebody's standing there and you're just blowing it. Douses them. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. But worst trend ever. That's also like a best trend. No, it's, it's the, the best. Worst. best. The worst yeah, just best worst trend. for that, the that, person taking it. See, yeah. that's a good answer. Uh, that's, a, that's, like a, that's a great answer. It I is think. hands down the worst for the people taking it but the best for everybody viewing <laughs> For it. everybody else. Uh, this is great. Okay, so he, he... I don't know if the I'll microphone... I'll be back. I need a courtesy wipe. We have to take a quick break. Hucker may have shit himself. I don't know if the cameras picked that up. I hope they did. That's, I, was, I definitely heard it in my headphones. I yeah. heard it in my headphones. <laughs> so, uh, one thing we talk about on the show is called Cheddar Bisque. And mm. Cheddar Bisque is... So just but, but, came out. Buds came out. It just came out of your ass. It also can be referred to as money. Cheddar, right? So when when I look at action sports, um, it seems as though like some of the other sports 
appear to make more money than the BMXers. Or is that, I mean, I've heard that from doing research. Is that like, are the, is the BMX industry like underfunded is what I'm asking. I, it's hard to say. Yes, I think it's underfunded, but I also think it's oversaturated. There's so many amazing riders out there now. And there's so many companies, but they just divvy it up, give little bits and pieces everywhere, you know? Okay. And I feel like this correlates with all action sports. I'm sure the surf industry, the skate industry, like, yeah, there's the top guys that are making really good money. There is. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of them aren't, you know? They still have a job or they're just getting by, you know? I just, I was that guy for, geez, probably seven or eight years, like barely getting by. I got paid 500 bucks a month on paper for like five years. Mm -hmm. I was able to do shows and make money other ways, but you know, you can't get by with that. And there's so now it's worse than ever. Cause there's so many amazing riders out there and I even did it. And I'm part of the problem. You know, you, you're willing to do something for nothing to make a name for yourself. Right. You gotta, mm -hmm. you gotta, you gotta get your foot in the door somewhere. And when you're a young, hungry, up-and-comer, you want to make a name for yourself. You want to get in. So you put your foot in the door, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. It's like, oh, don't worry about it, you know, like, or whatever. Too scared to ask. And if there's any advice I could give anybody, it's just know your worth, you know? Like, you're putting your life on the line. It's something you love. Yeah, you know? But you're putting your life on the line. There's the people that get all pissed off for people that do it for nothing, because it's messing up the whole, it's flooding the market, and then they're all grumpy. But it's like, dude, who gives a shit about the money? That's not why we started this. It's just a blessing that we're able to do it, you know? And I've always said this from day one. I would only be a pro biker until it's not fun anymore. Because I don't want my career, I don't want riding a bike in my career to ruin riding bikes. I want to be able to ride bikes with my kids one day, you know? And I, I always stood by that. And I feel like that helped keep it fun because I knew like once it wasn't, and I've, and I've had my moments, I've had tons of waves where like, you know, I didn't hate it, but I was just so fucking burnt out and it's only natural. You know, you do something so long, you put your body through torture, you go on these crazy trips where you're away from everybody you love. And out of everything I've learned, it's all about finding balance in life and balance is key to everything. I'm so thankful. I have an amazing supportive family. My Wife is incredible, dude. She's the best thing that ever happened to me, hands down. Next to my bike. <laughs> but my no, I'm just joking. No, she hands down. She mm -hmm. she opened my eyes to the big picture. You know, six almost seven years ago when I met her. Like I just saw what I was doing and that's all I saw. And it was amazing, you know, like no mm -hmm. regrets, wouldn't change it for the world. But then I met her and my my view on the world and life went from this to this. Mm -hmm. You know, and just know your worth. Don't stab people in the back. Be true. Be genuine. And pick somebody up when they're down, man. Like, help out in any way you can in life. I With anybody. It. Great advice. So genuine. And one thing I, I'd like to rewind back to, because earlier, uh, you know, I think a lot of pro athletes can, can relate to this in their career, but I'll speak on my experiences briefly. <laughs> but I used to always say, like, when my life was crumbling around me, I knew I had a good video part. Like when I put everything I had into snowboarding, like the bills would stack up and like things would be fucked up in my life and my, maybe my relationships wouldn't be good, but I'd, I'd have that good video part. I'd have those good clips, right? And I, I, almost, I don't want to say I prided myself on that, but that was like 
like I almost felt like what it took, right? And as as you get older, talking about relationships and family, the word balance, now it's shifted from I don't I don't what what we strive for, like I, what I strive for and I can't fucking figure it out. I'm working on yeah, right. it. Is, yeah. is that word balance is finding yeah. I think that that's like the black belt move is like it's the balance, dude. And sometimes you got to fucking teeter a little bit over in a couple different areas of your life cuz we're that's just who we are as people that like to destroy their bodies. Yeah. But uh, balance is the is the fucking thing I'm, I'm certainly after. Yeah, and do you I mean, have any keys to how you've evolved in that? Breathe. <laughs> no, seriously, seriously. Yeah. Um, I started doing all that stuff. I'm now a certified breath coach. Just started breathing a lot and just just focusing on the art of breath ever since that whole Wim Hof thing. And it's it changed my life, man. One of the things I do coach a breath, as a breath coach is normalizing your nervous system, stress, anxiety, all that stuff. And, you know, my wife has a super stressful job. She works for one of the largest general contractors in California. And she was just working on a $300 million project. And it was up to her to have everybody do their job so the number's right. And everybody's doing it wrong. And she would just be so stressed out. And I would, like, have her. And I always told her from the time I met her, even before I did the Wim Hof thing, she would get, like, revved up because she'd be stressed out of work. I'd be like, babe, take a deep breath. The worst thing you could ever tell a pissed off woman or a, <laughs> yeah, stress, <right>. or a <laughs> stressed off, yeah. stressed out woman, you know? And I always told her that. And then she just kind of started doing it, you know? And I'll never forget, she just did this project. This was a couple months ago. The most stressed out I've probably ever seen her in her life, you know? She has a lot of responsibility. And my hat's off to her, man. She just, just her worth ethic has made me want to do so much better in every aspect of my life. Like seeing her, I learned so much from her and she says she learns the same for me. How like, how like I'm just like kind of Zen down, just cruising all the time, not cruising all the time, but like I find that balance, you know? And I feel like she struggles with that because she has so much pressure with work. And this one day she was just so stressed out and I'm like, Hey babe, I just got done. I just, I was like studying to become a certified breath coach. And I'm like, babe, Come sit down with me for five minutes. That's it. And she's stressed out. And I have her do some breathing methods with me, and we're breathing, and I'm talking her through it. And we're done, and it literally took, like, no more than five minutes. I'm like, how do you feel? She's like, I feel awesome. I'm like, awesome. I got to go run some errands. I'll see you in a bit, you know? And I came back, like, an hour later, and when I came through the carport, I opened the door. The second I stepped foot in the house, I literally felt a different energy in the house, you know? Like, I felt it. And I go in there and I turn the corner and she's just like this. So the computer all <laughs> relaxed. This is like an hour after the fact where before when she's stressed, she puts her shoulders up like this because she's thinking so hard. She's so tense because her brain's going a million miles an hour. And she's just so relaxed. I'm like, how do you feel, babe? And she looked at me and she's like, I feel great. Like, <laughs> for five minutes of breathing. Mm-hmm. And That's it's so like, rad. and so like, the whole breath thing, you implement these little techniques of breathing and styles of breathing and just incorporate them every chance, not every chance you get, but when you think about it, okay, let's, let's breathe in through our belly, out through the belly. And like, you know, and then you start using that, you create muscle memory with it and you're breathing normal the way you're intended to breathe. Like we carry so much tense and anxiety and stress from our everyday to life, you know, and we don't know how to manage it. And it's as simple as finding the proper way to breathe how we're intended to as animals Mm -hmm. on the earth. Love that. Uh, we have a special uh, guest question from what some may consider 
a mentor to you in some ways, but here we go. We got Fuzzy Hall. Yes. Hucker. Yo, it's Fuzzy Hall here. Hey, Chris, it's pretty cool that you have Hucker on your show. And um, one of the questions I have, Hucker, is, um, you know, being a Red Bull athlete manager at the time that we signed your contract and Luke Sills helped tremendously, along with Ryan Runke. Um, um, I just wanted to, like, you know, let you know you've lived up to every bit of what I thought you would be. You know, you're not a very uh, contest-oriented rider, even though you love contests. I think people love you for your riding style, your creativity, and I think a lot of that comes from your surfing background, and you can also skate. I mean, good hell, you're talented at everything, but just, uh, I guess the question is, do you feel like you've fulfilled the everything that we asked of you, like in the Red Bull contract, and not just that, personally, like, I feel like you've, man, you've been so much fun to, like, work with through the years, go on road trips hell i won't even go on a road trip without you so that's part of my contract from here on out is i (laughs) if i ever have to do a road trip again you're going so (laughs) anyway that's my question is do you feel like you've done all of those obligations you know with red bull and had fun doing it thanks all lates wow that was pretty heavy hearing that come out of fuzzy's mouth that was cool gosh man it's before I answer this, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. So I remember I was in high school and I found out Red Bull sponsored a chess tournament, like the board game chess. I'm some like 15 year old freshman year. And I'm like, that's so stupid. Why would they do that? And then I thought about, I was like, dude, they literally sponsor every event across the board that doesn't have to do with animals. You know, like they give a platform for everybody to excel in their passion. And I'm like, no one ever, like, that's, I thought about, I'm like, dude, this is before I ever thought I could actually be sponsored. And I, I remember telling myself, I'll never ride for a company unless it's Red Bull. Never thought it would happen in a million years. And the way it happened was just so organically and with fuzz and it was crazy. But I feel like Red Bull has done so much more than I could have ever dreamed of for me. For them, I'm so thankful for everything they've included me in. A lot of fun stuff. Um, I'm going to keep pushing as long as they want to support me. I do wish I did more. I feel like I've done a lot with them, but, you know, Red Bull is the only company where they will give you every tool you could imagine to be the absolute best you could be at what you want to do, and they'll never force it on you. They'll be like, we have these gyms, we have personal trainers, we have psychiatrists here if you're having head problems. Like, oh, you got knocked out, let's go scan your brain to make sure you're good, you know? They'll lay it all on the table, and they'll say, it's up to you to pick and choose what you want. And I'm so grateful for every bit of them. There's a lot more I do wish I have already done, or I wish I could have already done, but that was me just being younger and just kind of being like, oh my gosh, like we're doing this and just not not thinking ahead, you know, just living in the moment. So to answer this question, in my younger years, I do wish I thought more ahead instead of just the present. Mm-hmm. But they've, you know, you've done some really cool projects with them. Oh, you know, dude, that's awesome. some dream projects it's with them. It's just sick that Red Bull does that for all their athletes. Dude, it's it's so sick. Things. I'm so thankful for sports, everything. Like that, yeah, I'm so thankful for everything they've not only done for me, but what they do for every one of their athletes. 
Yeah, the fact you know, they have psychiatrists for you, I mean, in today's world. I, I don't know if that's the right word, but, like, if you need counseling. Yeah, mental, mental coaches. coaches. Like, yeah. if you are struggling something mentally they have and you ask them about it. Are, dude, oh, here's a prime example. I got this weird lump on my nut, and it freaked me out. Freaked No. <laughs> Could Sorry, be testicular not, cancer, right? That's yeah. what I thought. Oh, yeah. Dude, and it freaked me out. And... um. I was just so scared. I was like scared to tell anybody and I let it go for like a couple years. And like the longer it went, the more it's just digging in at me and it freaked me out. And I went up to pair and he was like, he was the dude that ran the entire high performance side of things at the time. And I actually just ran into him. He lives out here now. I just ran into him at the airport. Mm -hmm. He was picking up his son, but I, I called him and I'm like, dude, pair freaking out. It's like, what's wrong? Hucker. He's like the gentlest soul. He looks like a Viking, dude. He's sick. And um, I told him what was going on. He's like, all right, well, let me do some research and I'll get back to you. And he found a doctor for me that was local to me. And he's like, yeah, go see them. And I was like, and then it was good. turns out it's a hydro seal. Um, it's kind of from smashing my nuts too many yeah, I was times. Yeah, say, is that what happened? <laughs> no, but it's a, sack of, it's a sack of fluid on it. Mm. And I've got it checked a couple times just because I'm like, oh, maybe I need a second opinion. This yeah. thing's freaking me out. <laughs> and both times came back as it's a hydro seal. Wow. So, uh, That's good. so cool that they're like that. Dude. Uh, Could have been a well, lifesaver. Dude. Yeah, You know what's really cool too in hindsight? Like knowing Fuzzy Hall just through our, you, you know, Randy Sugihara, Sugi, and he, I would go snowmobiling with Fuzzy. That's I, rad. You know Randy and, and, also. And so... We he would always talk about you. He would always, always be like, "Dude, we got to get Hucker on this." We Randy, on this. no, uh, Fuzzy, Fuzzy would <laughs> always bring you up, dude. And it's just so cool to see, like, you know, as I de- dove deeper and we we did some researches of the interview, and as I talked to him, he, he really seems like a mentor person to you, you know. And it's just he and he's <laughs> <laughs> sorry, go on. <laughs> Sorry, Randy. I couldn't hold it anymore. <laughs> Dude, that was an impeccable timing. Great um, timing. Or fuzzy. Yeah, I don't really know where I'm going with that, but that was a nice chart. Um, so we've been going for a while. Before we wrap things up, uh, do you want to say any thank yous? I would just like to first and foremost thank my incredible family for all the support over the years. My parents, they've been with me every step of the way, just wanting, even when I wasn't doing good, like kind of screwing up, they're like, Mike, get your shit together, figure it out. You know, and they just always had my back. Um, my wife's amazing, dude. She always, still to this day, pushes me to be my best, whether I'm having it or not. <laughs> She's always there for me. And um, man, I just, I love that woman so much. All my sponsors, that I have now, but even like past sponsors, dude, they enabled me to, they they wanted they never asked me to do something i didn't want to do they just wanted me to be me you know and that's huge and i just especially my sponsors i have now dude they're all awesome dude like they're i can't thank them enough i'm still living this crazy dream you know it's like gonna wake up one day and reality's gonna hit gonna get a job and then it'll be sick it'll be next chapter but i want to keep doing this as long as my sponsors and my body wants me to beautiful that's uh Red Bull, S&M bikes, ODI grips, demolition bike parts, vans, Opkicks, that's a little camera company, uh, Fix MFG. You might actually like this uh, fix. It's sick. It's a multi-tool. And okay. It fits in the size of a normal belt buckle. It's badass. They have a snow one. They have a, a cycling one, a skate one, a surf one. It has every tool to fix your board or most of your bike, and it's literally in the size of a normal belt buckle. 
And uh, I just can't thank Oakley enough. They opened up their facility to let me build whatever I want. And they gave me tractors. I built some of the biggest jumps in Southern California for BMX. And that's a dream I've had ever since I was a little kid. So shout out to Oakley. They rule. An epic BMX bike shop I ride for. Occasionally work out a little bit and uh, team soil. couple things too. Uh, if you're interested in riding with Hucker, you can find him at Woodward. Uh, sign up for one of his sessions. Yeah, I'm doing a dirt week. I just did one at Woodward West. Uh, I'm doing one tomorrow, all this week in Park City. And then August 22nd to the 26th, I will be at Woodward, Pennsylvania. The OG Woodward teaching kids how to build jumps, ride jumps, trail etiquette, trail maintenance, and how to have the most fun ever on your bike and hang out with the boys and girls. Uh, where, I was thinking, dude, I was watching with the kids. I was like, I got my brother's kids got to come here. Like, this is insane. Dude, it's dude, sick. It, it's really cool. And then um, one more thing. Where can people find you on social media? Where are you most most active? <laughs> I'm not consistent with it. I'm not the best at it, but my Instagram is at Mike Hucker. I haven't used a Twitter in probably 25 years, <laughs> so don't go there anymore. Um, cool. Yeah, Facebook. Facebook.com slash Mike Hucker, I think that is. No, that was my MySpace. I think the Facebook. <laughs> Head on said. over to MySpace.org. <laughs> MySpace.org. Um, still up. So still up. I used to go to that for my flashbacks back in the day. <laughs> and now you can get to the profile, but you can't get to the photos anymore. Oh, I dreadlocks for a day. Oh, for a day. Dreaded up the mullet. <laughs> so one more thing before we get out of here. In the words of Fuzzy Hall, what did he say to you? Ride the wave, dude. Ride the wave to you hucker thank you so much for coming on to our listeners to our supporters thank you guys we can't thank you enough anybody that's ever bought a piece of merch listen to the podcast watch the podcast we can't thank you enough and uh, we'll have another podcast coming at you next week over and out from the bomb hole